All right, what's up, everybody, and welcome to our brand new podcast. We're going to be covering all things pro wrestling. My name is James Hockenjoes, and in his usual chair from our flagship show, Parlez-Vu, we got Anthony Alessino, and you know him from his guest spot on The Rewind. We discussed Jurassic Park. It's Christopher, Big Whitey, Johansson, Encyclopedia on all things pro wrestling. What's up? So you want to, you're the oldest here. You're the, uh, mm. the chief, so to speak. Veteran. So you want to uh, start us off on your journey and love for pro wrestling and how it all started for you? Sure. So uh, I've been actively watching professional wrestling for, I would want to say 30 years since, or 31 years, since 1990. The first event I ever watched like on the, like a full event that I sat down, watched, and remembered was WrestleMania six main event Hulk Hogan Ultimate Warrior, title for title. Uh, we went to the my dad took me to the video store. He said pick out a wrestling one, and that box was like the the box cover was mountaintops and it was Hulk with the title. He was the WWF champion. It was Warrior with the Intercontinental title, and I sat down and watched the pay per view from for, from its entirety and was like in love from that moment on. I had seen some wrestling before that. My dad would show me like Georgia, Georgia Animal Steel eating turnbuckles. I'd see, you know, Hulk Hogan coming out, ripping his shirt off. But the first event I remember sitting down and watching was uh, WrestleMania 6. And then from there on, you know, we went on to SummerSlam 90, Survivor Series 90, and so on and so forth. And I, I haven't missed a WrestleMania or a uh, Royal Rumble since. Was your, was your dad big into wrestling too? Well, he, his, my, my great grandfather was really into like Florida championship wrestling with like Ric okay. Flair, Dusty Rhodes, and even before that, but that's kind of where my dad came into wrestling. He was really big into Dusty Rhodes, Ric Flair, the NWA title. Uh, so my dad was into it because he used to watch it with his grandfather and then he introduced it to me and then it was something that we had together. So, right. Right. Yeah, that's awesome. Which is how most people get it. It's like a familial bond. It's like the reason you're a Mets fan. The yeah. reason you're both Mets fans. Uh, yeah. The reason I'm a Jets exactly. Fan. It's it gets passed, you know, for from my you know, my perspective or my experience I should say, it's always been passed down from generation to generation. Because it's you know See, it's amazing because I was born in ninety three, right? So he's been watching before I was even born, right? And I didn't have that family like none of nobody in my family watched wrestling. It was much more of a I guess it was found through school and through friends at school, we were, you know, and it just ended up happening like that. And I remember, I mean, my earliest memories are like the Hardy Boys. Like, that's what I remember, like where I could really stick to it and be like, OK, these guys are who I want to be. This is what I want to emulate. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I remember. I don't know about you. Yeah. Young Hardys, Rock Austin. And again, not a familial thing. I got it. Uh, I mean, Jack, our producer from Paul who is in the room with us. He is 19, young. And I got an older brother, two years older than me. And we would go at it. You're, you're, you only got <laughs> no, a sister. I only have a sister. Me and fucking Phil would go at it nonstop all the time. And my dad didn't watch, want us watching the Stone Cold Stunner. And of then, course, yeah. So, like, my dad was not really encouraging of it because he didn't want us fighting and trying it on each other. But eventually school, your yeah. friends. But, yeah. These guys, were, these guys were rock stars back then. It was viewed differently than it is now. It Like... These guys were like idols to people. You know what I mean? What At what time, at what age would you say you stopped watching and you started like more than watching, being becoming enamored with it and like wanting to know the history of pro wrestling? Because I'm sure you know things before you started watching now, right? You've looked oh, it sure. up, the history and all that. Like at what point were you like, all right, this is something that I'm really into? 
Uh, immediately. Like the, when I sat down and watched that WrestleMania, I felt you were hooked then. And you know, I'm, I, in the, I grew up in the video store generation. So every Friday night we were in the video store Yeah. and for a good two years, I basically caught up on everything because I wanted to see everything. I wanted to know all the storylines. So one of the, the first ones I rented after WrestleMania six was WrestleMania three. And that was Hulk and Andre because mm-hmm. the box cover was Hulk and Andre facing off. And I'm like, Oh, I got to see this. And then we would just go back literally on a weekly basis and I would just go, you know, cause they had, they would have these posters that would be hung up at different various places to promote the shows. So the, the box cover of the VHS would be those posters. So you would, I would literally just go to the video store and just pick it out. And like I said, I just, I wanted to know everything more and more and as much as I can get about wrestling for a good, from like 90 to like 93, I was like deeply, deeply into it. And so I want to, I'm going to jump in here cause I, I know this, we've discussed this at nauseum. I don't think Anthony knows this. His dad was a hot box guy back in the day. Mm-hmm. So they had the hot box. So they got every pay-per-view on that for, little Yeah, thing. on that little hot box, you know, illegally. Yeah, you used to plug yeah, it into yeah, your cable yeah. box. There was a code you punched in and you basically had paper you had all the pay-per-view channels for, you know, what, four hours, whatever it was. So we literally saw every I mean, that's back when pay-per-views were quarterly. You know, WCW would have right, 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 right. like WCW would have maybe three or four pay-per-views. WWE had the four, the big four. They had WrestleMania. SummerSlam, Survivor Series, and the Royal Rumble. Well, and King of the Ring at that point. Well, King of the Big Ring, five. King of the Ring came out in '93. So I'm talking. This is like three, yeah, ninety is... to like '93. You had the only the four pay per views. They would have sometimes they'd have specials. What do you think about the watered down pay per views now? How there's so many. The the only company that's doing pay per views right now is is AEW. Mm-hmm. Everything else is on the streaming service, and AEW eventually right, will right. go to a streaming service. Right, right, right. So. What Vince did with the network is he eliminated the pay-per-view because now you just he's got you monthly. You know, I mean, not mon- well, he's got you monthly, but he's got way more because he's going to get for 10 bucks. You're going to be able to see every pay-per-view of the year, 10 bucks a month. Back in the day, it was because uh, they had WWF went from the big four and then they had King of the Ring. But then they would do In Your Houses, which In Your Houses were two-hour pay-per-views. So it's basically just like a pay-per-view special. And it was literally it was in your house, one, two, three, four. And then they started doing like in your house, mind games, in your house, beware of dog, in your house. You know, How only, much did those cost? Those were $19.99. And then the big four wow. were $29.99. Those were the ones I compared to uh, what they're doing, what Tony Khan's doing with the special Dynamites and yeah, the special yeah. TNT show. Exactly. Like now they're doing that Saturday show. Right. In a couple, and it's, well, that's, it's not even called Dynamite, I don't think, right? Is it? The Saturday show? The new, the, yeah, the next Saturday show they're oh, doing. Oh, like the Battle of the Belts or whatever. Battle of the Belts, something, yeah. Something like that, yeah. So, But that's more like Clash of the Champions because it's on free TV. So Clash of the Champions was a WCW. It was like a quarterly, and it was a bigger show than what like the WCW Saturday night would be. So it was like this, this uh, like a two-hour special. It was uh, Clash of the Champions, I believe, is where Sting won his first title against Flair, if I'm not mistaken. Or it oh, might have really? been the Great American Bash. I can't remember which one it was. But there was big, big matches on Clash of the Champions. So, like, you'd have squash matches, like, on on regular free TV. But then on Clash of the Champions, you'd get, you know, the pay-per-view style matches. But it would be a two-hour TV special with commercials. Hmm. So, In Your House was a pay-per-view. You paid the, the 20 bucks, and it was a two-hour pay-per-view. Clash of the Champions is more like, like, free... like what AEW now is doing with, you know, like, they do Winter is Coming, AEW Diamond Winter is Coming. Or Grand Slam. Grand Slam. Mm-hmm. What's the Fighter Fest? You know what I mean? Well, so, Fighter Fest is a pay-per-view. They might have not did it as a pay-per-view this past oh, but now year. It's, now it's a pay-per-view. It, it started as a pay-per-view. Oh, okay. The first time they did Fighter Vest was definitely a pay-per-view. I think now I think this most recent year they did it on TV it over two weeks. Two two dynamites, right? Yeah. Basically like in the time slot of two, two dynamites. Yeah, so it's you know, that's cool. And I like the AEW, the big four, you know, they have 
full year and all out and double or nothing. And, you know, that's awesome because it's like they, those shows are now starting to feel like they're big shows. Yeah, you want I, I want that big feel vibe. You know what I mean? I do want that. I don't know. I, I, I tend to think that every other what every three weeks now they're running not a pay-per-view WWE, yeah. but they're running a it's uh, like well, yeah they're pay-per-view events it's pay-per-view. Yeah, pay-per-view events just not on pay-per-view whatever you know but they're they're like they're like raw it's like raw or smackdown it's basically you're watching what you what you could watch on raw like just less but it's promos watered down yeah watered down yeah but i mean the wwe has become such a formulaic platform of wrestling where it's like you know smackdown every friday night roman's going to come out and cut a 20 minute promo with paul Heyman, and the usos are going to be there they're going to get their little quibs in mm-hmm and then it leads to, you know, in a three-week program with a wrestler that he's going to squash at a pay-per-view. I, mean, I think it's inc- incredibly structured. Yeah. But I do think, with that being said, I do think Reigns is good for WWE right now. What they're doing at Reigns is a good thing. Oh, it's great. But the problem is, is you have so much talent. WWE arguably has as much, if not more, talent than AEW does right now. You could argue that. But what they're doing with that talent, like what AEW is doing with their talent compared to what WWE is doing with their talent, it's two completely different. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know I, mean? I like, agree. Like the WWE has non-wrestling people writing the storylines. Like back and in, that's half the, the, the problem. Back in the day, it was Vince, Bruce Pritchard, and Pat Patterson. And Pat Patterson would put the matches together so he would sit down with you know, The Rock and Austin and say, this is what we're going to do, guys. You know, We're going to start the match this way. We're going to go from this move to this move to this move. And then we're going to hit the finish. And Austin would go, oh, stunner, middle of the ring? Yes, done. You know, now it's there's 15 guys in a room going, okay, so we're going to say this, and then we're going to say that, and we're going to say this. And then there's not really a lot of wrestling, you know, and a lot of what they call Gaga. I don't know if you guys are familiar with what Gaga is. That's like not a, that's like when you're getting the, the manager involved or you're getting the tag team partner involved. And you're, yeah, nonsense. Nonsense, exactly. Hmm. And it's like they, over all those, the backstage promos, like I, you've heard people, especially people who've been fired recently, like I'm pretty sure CJ Perry, Lana, yeah, mm-hmm. said something about it. Like those little 30 second promos, they they've been there for like six hours to get those 30 second oh, yeah. backstage interview. Like it's too much. Yeah, it's overproduced, is what it is. That's it's a hundred percent overproduced. Overproduced, and people realize it. They see that, and to me, it's. Like uh, Vince's style is like, let's get everybody in a room. Let's figure out what we're going to do tonight. Then they all leave the room. Ten minutes later, they're running around with a new sheet. This is what we're doing now, guys. Then they're getting to the gorilla position. This is what we're doing now, guys. And that's, that's too much. On you ever on, heard Freddie Prince Jr. talk about his time there? Yeah, a little bit, yeah. He was so interesting. I heard him talk about it at Nauseam. Like, yeah. yeah, I listened to him do Jeff Dye's podcast. It was an old show, but I just was bored like mm-hmm. two weeks ago. Listen to it. He did like a good 30 minutes on his time working as like a writer. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Yeah. It's, there's, it's, it's, it's too much. It's he basically was the only one there who would defy Vince because like he was there because he loved the product, not because he needed the money. So right. he's like, I don't give a fuck if I get fired on day one. Right. Well, that's why it's like, there's like a, it's like a revolving door at, at WWE. Like and people are in and then they're out. He's there. probably very responsible for a lot of what the Miz does on the stick. Uh, Freddie Prince. Yes. Yeah. Makes sense. Freddie Prince took over promo classes when he was there. Wow. Really? Yeah. Hmm. So, um, yeah, right along <laughs> with my deal with my dad not really being a fan of pay-per-view, no chance. No chance was pay-per-view happening. <laughs> we'll get There's one specific event. We'll get to it. The first event where I was like, here's the money. We're doing it. We'll get to it later on. But there was a It's point. probably the same event that I had in my life. We'll see. <laughs> um. Do you guys want to get right into it? Yeah, we can get so right into it. it. So we're starting with events. Go sure. from, from five to one. 
Uh, Alcino, why don't you go first? So going five to one, it's going to be a little tough, but uh, I'm going to go five. Oh, I forgot yours were no particular it's order. It's fine. Right? I can do it. I can All do right. it quick. Royal Rumble 2008, Cena returns at MSG. Great, great pay-per-view. That was uh, Michael's Taker one and two, right? Yes. Yeah. I have actually the whole card up, but I mean, if you yeah, know it, Yeah, that was Hardy Edge for the title. Yeah, so Mac on this one, we have... To set up their Mania match. Orton, Hardy for the... Uh, WWE Championship. I thought it was Edge, no? No, JBL, Jericho. Yep. Oh, right, right. Uh, Flair uh, for versus MVP for the United States Championship. Oh, right, yep. And then uh, Cena won, obviously, coming in at 30. Um, and I remember that. I, like, can I, I can picture it still, like, clear as day, the 30, the coming out. There wasn't a big... Uh, entrance, entrance yeah. like a big, you know. To well, there's do. no, there's no runway in, in the garden. There it's was, not, yeah, it's exactly. not set up well for pro wrestling events. No. One bit. Twenty, twenty. They had. I went, you know, I went to WrestleMania twenty, and there, that was the longest entrance ramp they've ever had, and it was still like a raw. Yeah, like which is twenty-two feet. Yeah, yeah like, which is crazy. Short, yeah. So, do you want me to keep going down, or no, you no, want... no, no? Let's go one okay. by one. Why do you want to? I know you got more than you got more than five, so you could. Well, I have I have nine events in total, so I just quick... so going nine through five All real right. quick. Quick, the quick nine, nine through five. I got uh, Royal Rumble 1997. That's uh, Stone Cold's coming out party. Well, not his coming out party, but he uh, Brett had just come back. He threw Brett out. Refs didn't see Brett get, or he threw Brett threw him out. Refs didn't see it somehow. He got back in the ring, stunned Brett, threw him out of the ring. Awesome, just great pay per view. That was uh, Michael Psycho Sid was the main event. Just, just a really good. It was in a, a stadium show at San Antonio. Just a really good show. I got uh, next one up. I got AW Double or Nothing 2019. Not a great show, not a great card. That was uh, just the first pay per view AEW had. I just really enjoyed watching that show. It was like very exciting. It was new. They weren't on TV yet. Super, that was, that super was the first Double or Nothing. The first right? Double or yeah. Nothing. Super significant. And I remember. I thought about that, but it didn't make my list because super significant, but not the well, best not, not event. A, I, like I said, I just sitting there seeing people I haven't seen wrestle before. Just it was new. It was exciting. Uh, I remember. Well, I remember ahead. texting you, and and I I was like, hey, the production level is a little lacking, but they'll figure it out. This is a cool. This is a cool product. Right. Like exactly. It they was, had it there. You know, right. you saw it. One of the reasons I think it wouldn't really make my list is because what matters with pro wrestling is the storylines, the characters. You're invested. We're seeing largely a bunch of people we have no invest. Like the most emotional point, part of that, that night point, is yeah. is Dean coming out at the end. I was uh, for me. For me, it was when Cody came out and he wrestled Dustin, and they had the the that that very good. Mm-hmm. That was a phenomenal match. I mean, you know, I definitely high. I almost made my my top. You know, it was in my top matches, kind of on the outskirts because it just was such a good match. Like the emotion of it, you know, everything would survive. You know, surrounding the dream. You know, Dusty. Mm-hmm. So it's just you know, it was big deal, big deal. Um, next one up, I got SummerSlam 1990, the height of my little kid fandom. Uh, main event was Hogan versus uh, Earthquake, and they had this angle where Earthquake uh, put Hogan in the hospital, and they did this whole WWE did this like back backhanded promotion where they s- got your address by you send a letter to Hulk, and we're gonna send you like a Hulk headband. So all these kids, like millions of kids, wrote letters to Hulk Hogan, get better, get better, get better, and then they got everybody's address and started sending out catalogs. Like just kind of a funny story. Wow. Main event, actually not, that wasn't the main event, that was the undercard. The main event was uh, Warrior, Rick Rude in a cage, which was just a fun match. Wow. You know, great rivalry. Just, again. High... Gen- genius level marketing by VKM. Oh, yeah. Just super smart. And then uh, WrestleMania 6, just because, like like I discussed before, 
first show I remember watching, just a very key pay-per-view. But my number five and my top five is uh, Halloween Havoc 1997 WCW. Uh, pay-per-view starts off Rey Mysterio, Eddie Guerrero. If you haven't seen it, you got to go watch this match. Unbelievable. Like, before you watch, you know, because like now AEW, everything's a car crash. This match was a car crash with two of the best that ever did it. Before car crashes. Uh, Mysterio came out in this like purple. I'm sure you guys have seen it. It's like a purple, all purple outfit. He was playing. It was because uh, he's like a big comic book guy. So he's, Yeah, I'm familiar with the. the fan, he was the Phantom. Mm-hmm. And him and Eddie just went out and it was a classic. Just an absolute classic. Uh, also at that show was DDP, Macho Man, which was the feud of the year that year to me. Just DDP coming into his own. You know, here's like this 36-year-old rookie going against one of the greatest of all time. And the Macho Man just had like a, just a barn burner of a match. And then the main event, uh, it's ju- it was called Age in the Cage because it was Rowdy Roddy Piper and Hulk Hogan in a cage match. But Sting got involved because it was like when they were going into the, you know, Sting was like really heavy into the Crow character. And it was leading into Hogan and Sting at Starcade. So like that pay-per-view was just a big pay-per-view. There's other good matches on the other card. I can't remember what they were. I mean, Benoit was definitely on the card. Malenko was on the mm-hmm. card. Jericho. Um, you know, the big show. Kevin Nash. You know, there's monster WCW roster. Just oh, yeah. Great show. So that's my number five. All right. So my number five, I have like two separate events in here. Number The first one is AW Grand Slam. The most, um, the most recent? The Grand Slam, the one we went to. Oh, okay. So I feel, oh, Grand, Slam, Grand Slam. Right, right. So I feel like part of the part of the reason I had to give it a, a slash was I feel like it's partially a cop-out because it's two shows. Because we were there, the three of us in New York. Mm-hmm. We got rent. Awesome show. Awesome. Awesome show. Awesome experience. A great, it really, re, not reinvested my love because I haven't lost it recently. The last time I lost my love for wrestling was probably like 2011. But it like really like I felt great about pro wrestling again that night. It's just a great example of when it's done right, there's nothing better in entertainment. When exactly. it's done bad, it's bad. But when it's done right, there's nothing better in entertainment than pro wrestling. The other one is going to be one of the TNA big three. Lockdown. Lockdown, if you're unfamiliar, every match was on the whole card was inside six sides of steel. So when TNA had the six-sided mm-hmm. ring, every match inside the steel cage. Lockdown 2005, the inaugural lockdown match. The other two in their big three were Bound for Glory and Slam Reversary. Uh, lockdown. What year is this? This is 05. 05. This is the first lockdown. So pre-Angle. I don't think Angle was there yet. Yeah, pre-Angle. Um, lockdown credited with creating two very big matches for TNA. It's the Escape match. Are you familiar? Yeah. Escape match. Escape match starts with anywhere from four to six, four to eight competitors. Um, elimination style, you know, one fall until there's two guys left, and then first guy out of the cage wins. Hmm. Usually held for the X Division Championship. The other one is the Lethal Lockdown. It's two teams, three to ten, three to five. I think it's three to five competitors, two teams. They start one on one. They do war game style. So it's for five minutes, then one guy comes in, then every t- two minutes another person comes in until it's even. When the last guy gets in, they drop the cage. The top on the cage with weapons all on it, first pinfall wins. Awesome. So two awesome. sick match. Sick car match. Crashes. Loved yeah. So you want to talk about car yeah, crashes? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You want to talk about car crashes before they were car crashes? This entire card, someone bled on every match. Yeah. They threw fireballs. I don't have the whole card. It's a lot of names you guys wouldn't know. Every match was crazy though. 
Oh, but you'd be surprised. I'd know. You had Hardy versus Raven in a tables match inside the steel cage. Nice. They broke about seven tables before Hardy ultimately had Raven on top of the eight stack, <laughs> went on top of the steel cage, leg drop, put him through it. Nice. You had uh, AJ Styles versus Abyss mm-hmm. in a six sides of steel match for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. Styles, sunset flip powerbomb from the outside of the top of the cage to the ground onto tax. After a Styles clash through tax to take the title off of Abyss. Abyss loved his tax. Loved the bag of a thousand tax, man. <laughs> loved his tax, that guy. And then in the main event, in the Lethal Lockdown match, we had Team Nash, which was Diamond Dallas Page, Sean Waltman, and uh, someone to be announced because Nash was hurt or something. It was Road Dog. Oh, nice. Under the name BG James. Yep, yep. The James Gang. Versus Team Jeff Jarrett, which was Jeff Jarrett, Monty Brown, Alpha if you remember. Male. Also Marcus Corvon on ECW and WWE for a little bit, the mm-hmm. second ECW. Two months or something like that, right? Yeah, short run. Super short run. And Billy Gunn under the name The Outlaw in the Lethal Lockdown match. I'm pretty sure Team Nash wins this match. Yeah. So that's, that's nice. my five. That's my number five. Number five. All right, number four. I... I'm going to venture a guess and say I'm the only one that has something on the list that's not a pay-per-view. Okay? Yeah. Mark Grand Slam, but... March 26th, 2001, Raw. Shane buys WCW. Wow. Classic show. And, I mean, I don't really know the matches. I just know that segment. And for me, like, that was something that was like, oh, okay. It went from... This is kind of now, there's no competition. It's diluted. It's now it's all just everybody thrown in together. And they somehow made it so it was like, oh, wow. This is like, oh, I got to sit up in my seat. This is this is reinvented now. This is a new rivalry. We're going to see new faces and and they're going to be battling each other. I just think that segment where, well, where was he in, uh, in Florida? Daytona Beach. Right. As, as good as it gets. That's as good as it gets. That's why it's four on my list. The thing about that show that I remember most of all, I watched it live. And I was watching Nitro. I wasn't even watching World because it was the last Nitro. And flipping back and forth from both channels. And it was like you were seeing the same thing on both. It was insane. Because (laughs) we had, when I was in high school, we used to have Monday night parties. Because literally it would be Raw, our uh, Nitro came on at 8. Raw started at 9. And ECW came on at 11. So you literally, we had to have like five hours of wrestling. It was incredible. You know what I mean? And you wow. would flip back and forth. Oh, this match sucks. Let me put it on the other channel or whatever. You know, like, yeah, oh, yeah. this is a boring segment. Let me put it. You know, so you had wrestling all night. So to be able to turn from one channel to the other and see, like, just hitting the, the previous button back and forth. And back just and seeing forth. the same exact segment over. Right. Like, it was that's... just, like, different announcements. It was, it was yeah, that's why I had to I had to give it some, some credit it deserved. What sucks is that should have been the best time in history of wrestling. But Turner had the con- all the big-name contracts. So Sting, Hogan, Nash, Hall. DDP, Steiner, um, Flair, all these, you know, WCW guys were stayed home and wouldn't go to Vince said, end your contract, come over. The only one who did it was Booker T. Right. And, and it worked out for him. And Booker T was the champ at the time. So he said, he said, I'm not getting off. T. He's like, you're going to kill, you know, all those guys are established. And he was still kind of on the come up. And he said, no, Vince, I'll drop my contract. I'll come wrestle for you. We went to wrestle for Vince for half what he was making at WCW. Made more money with merchandise and everything else. Oh, yeah. But his guaranteed money was way more with Turner. Which was like it was just crazy. Never got another. Never became a six time. Nope. Never got one. <laughs> never got one with well, Vince. He got the all world, f- all he got five. The- yeah, but all five of those were with WCW, weren't they? Yeah, but then he got the when he was King Booker, he had the the strap. He had the WCW strap. Oh, he got it again. So yeah. he was a six time. Yep. Oh, I didn't. Him, I and, him and Cena were. Free. I forgot about that. Or no, not not him and him and Batista. 
So he was like King Booker with Charmel and then Batista. And right, like, I remember one of the Raws in the Garden when he was King Booker. Brian was at Brian. Oh, really? Brian, Joey, Jesse Dorn. Yeah, a few of our friends were there. That was like my parents weren't. The tickets for that Raw, it was someone's birthday. It was one of their birthdays. It's like over 100. They were like, you know, in the blue seats in the Garden. It was like 100 bucks a seat. Yeah. My dad wasn't paying for me to go there, dude. Uh, WWE's always been expensive. Live yeah. shows always. Like, never not expensive. They are a treat, though. Like, I've, I've you know, we went to the Royal Rumble. We haven't done a WrestleMania. Per- production is like you can't beat WWE's no. production. You know, it's like, fantastic. AEW for Grand Slam was awesome, but still WWE. The like, only bad thing about Grand Slam, and I don't want to get too off topic, but was the the venue wasn't ready. Yeah, Arthur Ashe wasn't prepared. No. Like you know what I mean. But, <laughs> no, but that's <laughs> like, like the concessions, like you're talking about. Yeah, just the overall. I don't think they thought that it was going to pack out like that, and I, I don't know. I don't think they were ready for that. Like I was ready to buy T-shirts and stuff, and like just couldn't you even, weren't couldn't even get close couldn't even to fathom that. that. That was not even a that was not even an option. Like, I'm not waiting through three matches to get a fucking right. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I didn't come here to buy a T-shirt. I could do that on, on the pro wrestling right, tees app. Right. Yeah. So. so four. Me four. Uh. We're going to go Bash at the Beach 1996, the infamous Hogan heel turn. Mm. Just jaw-dropping. Um, like, 1996, you're used to the red and yellow coming out, saving the day. So the the hype, the build-up to that, you know, you had Scott Hall coming through the crowd on Nitro. This is, like, in st- late spring, so May. Bash at the Beach was in July. Scott Hall comes through. You know, this is Razor Ramon, you know, from WWF TV. Now just walking through the crowd, comes in the ring, Hey, yo. And it's just like, you're like, what? What, what is what going on? And then the next week, Diesel comes out, Kevin Nash. Mm-hmm. And like, he's like, the measuring stick just got higher around here. And you're just like, what is happening right now? They're not saying who they are. They're not saying why they're there. Get to Great American Bash pay-per-view. Eric Bischoff comes out to do an interview with the two guys. Kevin Nash throws Eric Bischoff through a table. So now that sets up the match at Bash at the Beach. WCW is going to pick three guys. These guys are going to have a mystery partner. So the main event is uh, Sting, Lex Luger, Macho Man Randy Savage for WCW, and the Outsiders, Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, with the mystery partner. Luger gets knocked out at the beginning of the match. Here comes, uh, they take Luger out, so now it's two on two, Sting and Savage versus Hall and Nash. There's like a bunch of schmas going on. Uh, Everybody's down, laid out. All of a sudden, here comes Hogan, and as a lifelong wrestling fan, you're going, oh, my God, here he comes. We're going to see the shirt ripped off. I'm going to save the day. couple boots, leg drop. <laughs> Hogan gets in the ring, pushes the referee out of the way, leg drops the macho man, and literally just like, I just was speechless, like legitimately speechless. And this was after, you know, a whole pay-per-view that was okay. You know, you had Benoit on the card, you had Guerrero on the card, you know, a lot of talent, a lot of good, decent little matches. But the whole show was based on that main event. Who's the third guy? Who's the third guy? Like I said, when Hogan came out, you're like, he's not he's not the third guy. It's Hogan. You know, he's gonna drop some legs and <laughs> can't be the third guy. Yeah. And and just like I mean, just sitting there with my mouth wide open, like, what just happened? And then couldn't wait to get home from school. I remember eating dinner, just watching the clock, waiting to see Nitro the next night. And again, the pay-per-view was like an okay pay-per-view, but that moment was just what for what it did. It, there'll never be another moment in the history of wrestling like that. Yeah. Because, you know, now with the internet and like, no, there's no, like everybody knew. There's no kayfabe anymore. No. no. Everybody knew CM Punk was going to be at Chicago. He still got the pop. That was by design though. I mean. Yeah. When yeah. Tony Khan wants to keep something close to the chest, he does. Right. They kept Adam Cole pretty close to the chest. Right. They kept um, but you, Moxley pretty close. You they, knew that these guys were coming though. Like you yeah, knew Moxley. You, well, yeah. you knew Moxley was going. You knew 
you didn't maybe you didn't know that Daniel Bryan and Adam Cole on the same night, but you knew that they were you know like even when Punk got there, he's like, oh, you know, they're and they're going yes, yes, yes. He's like, you're gonna have to wait. You yeah, know? you might have to wait for that. Yeah, like yeah. So, but this this was just you know like I said as a, a surprise as you could get probably. And like the whole pay per view, you were like you didn't really care about the undercard, like you. Got the pay-per-view to see the main event. Just waiting for that main event. And like event. the whole, like they, even the commentary throughout is, who's the third guy? Who's the third guy? And like, what are, what is WCW going to do? And Bobby Heenan on commentary going, bring everybody out. Let's just kick their asses. Let's just bring everybody out. And like, because like the feeling, <laughs> the feeling was like, who are these guys? Like, why don't we just, you know, and it was just, you know, like nothing, like again, nothing, that time period in wrestling is to me the best time. Not just pre-attitude era, like when, the NWO got hot. It was just like nothing like it on TV. Hmm. Number four. Before I get into that, I just want a quick shout out. Um, I should have did this in the last one with my TNA thing. I watched a bunch of matches from TNA 2005 over the last two days. Mike Tenay, great on the stick. Color guy, phenomenal. Not play great. by play. They, I can't remember if it was the AJ and Abyss match or if it was the Monsters Ball 2 that I watched, which shout out Monsters Ball 2. That's when Hardy does the 18-foot swanton off of, he puts Abyss on a table, like on the ground below the stage, takes the ladder, climbs on top of like the structure that they're, they come out through the Mm -hmm. entrance ramp, does a swanton from the top of the structure, 18 feet in the air, across the stage, through Abyss, through the table. Guy was different, dude. Just can't remember which match it was, but Mike Tenay, someone's covered with blood, and they Abyss gets the tax out, and Mike Tenay goes, "Get the children and and get them out of the room for this, folks. Like it's about to get bad. You don't want to have the kids seeing this." And I started like, cracking up almost in tears. You know, you know, uh, Excalibur and Tenay are very similar. Like if you're their styles of calling matches. Because Tanay was brought in WCW to do like the lucha matches because he knew the, the wrestlers, he knew the moves. Because like Excalibur is like an encyclopedia of wrestling moves. He knows every. He knows story. every hold. And that's what Tanay was. You know, Tanay was that guy. So it's just it's cool to see that now. The similarities between them. Yeah. So my number four is AW Full Gear 2021. Very solid show. That was Top the, to the, most, the most. The most recent. That was one. like ten days ago. Yeah, yeah it was Four, like, uh, fourteen days ago. I missed it because it was my wife's birthday. Hangman went over Kenny. Um, the Bucks lose, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, to, but, to the, the 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 Jurassic Express. It was Christian, and right? Jurassic Super Express. quick first Jurassic Express, yep. and then you had the Luchas retain over FTR. FTR. Yeah. Very solid show overall. Yeah, Danielson on the card, right? Yeah. Was that um? Who did Britt wrestle? Britt wrestled uh... Ty Conti. Oh right, right, right. I heard that was a very solid match. Too. Yeah. Britt's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, Britt is very good. When we get to it, we're going to talk about it. But when we get to it, we got to talk about Punk equating Britt Baker to MJF. Did um, he? He goes, when you he said something to the effect of, you know, you didn't realize it yet, but you've been passed as one of the pillars by Britt Baker. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> you know, that's storytelling done right, right? That's booking done right with uh, Hangman. How? It came completely full circle after the time off. Like, that's how it's supposed to be done. That's the way you build a star. Yeah. It's the way you build a star in wrestling. Like, what Tony Khan did. And I think everybody saw it. (laughs) Like, legitimate, you know, older, not like, you know, 13-year-olds. They wouldn't understand yet. But, like, I'm saying, uh, us that watch it, and we go, wow, that's how you do it. That's how it's done. Like, and I think not, you know, I think that whoever does beat Reigns, 
right, from this run should be catapulted into the next tier, don't you think? Like that should... You mean Dwayne The Rock? And that's... That's the and, problem. And that's the problem. That's the problem right there. And is that's that the it's going to be Dwayne. Now, now, if I'm WWE, I put Reigns over The Rock. You have to. Right? You have to. Uh, yeah. And then you say, no, this is the guy. Like, no, it should be Braun Breaker. I was just... I, you and I were thinking the exact same thing. If you're going to take a guy and you're going to catapult him to the stratosphere, you have him go over Roman. Because I thought... When I saw Taker lose to Lesnar, I'm like, well, now this Lesnar's the guy. Because he's got to be. You just made him this unbeatable yeah. force. Mm -hmm. And they didn't really handle it properly, but that's what they should have done. Nobody should have beaten Lesnar until Reigns beat Lesnar. Because then Reigns could have been catapulted. You know, but it's like Vince forgot how to book. <laughs> well, <laughs> hold on. So now am I up to number three? Yeah, you're up. Okay, WrestleMania 30. <laughs> when... <laughs> It's perfect segue where uh, Taker takes the loss and uh, Daniel Bryan becomes the uh, the the man. He finishes he, and and that was a good storyline. That was they did they did they did phenomenal Bryan right. They phenomenal. Did. So that uh, that WrestleMania, I think there was such a like the emotion between those two matches where it was just like, uh, are you joking me? Like that didn't happen. That that had to be fake. That had to be a mess up. Something had to like somebody missed the line. Somebody missed a kick out. Something happened. You know. Well, there wasn't. You could. There, there's not a person in that stadium or a person. I mean, I I fell asleep during the match. I woke you up. Yeah. Like part of me said, like like when I was first first watching it, I'm like, did the referee, like, did he did he mess up or like being the referee counting that counting that three. Are you like Jesus? I can't believe I'm about. Well, to that do was this. another booking that went, you know. And do you feel like worse than uh, than Big Show's career yeah. up until like right? Before do you they feel went like he was all? Yeah, right. And that's 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 crazy to me. I feel like you that can't booking make a decision flip flopped like that. all day. Well, t here's the problem: Taker wrestled three quarters of that match with a concussion. Yeah, yeah, I know. No yeah. Yeah. That's why I was confused because when he went to the hospital after, I was like, did they did they throw the X up? Did they? Is that well, what happened? He went to the hospital after with. Heyman and, and, and Lesnar, right? And Vince. And Vince, yeah. yeah Vince Heyman, Lesnar, and Vince were in the ambulance with him. That's like on the network. They always show that clip of like, we need some help over here. That when he comes right. through the curtain and collapses because he, he, you know, he was so, he had bell rolls rung so tight. I just, I just, I'm just like, to me, w was there a better option than Lesnar? Wasn't Lesnar, now I could be wrong, wasn't Lesnar already a star? Wasn't yeah. oh, he yeah. already like, Les he didn't need it. Lesnar debuted the night after WrestleMania 2002. The most impressive debut I've ever seen in my life. There'll never be another debut like that. He came out. Right. It was, so it was a triple threat. It was a triple threat. Uh, Maven. I don't know if you guys remember Maven. Maven, Maven, yeah. The first Tough Enough winner. Al Snow and Spike Dudley. And Lesnar came out and he picked up. Brother Run. Yep. He picked up uh, Snow, put him through a garbage can. He F5'd Maven, which was like, what the fuck did I just watch? Like, And then he triple power bombed Spike Dudley. And that was when the F5 was way more of a tornado and less of just the lifting DDT kind yes. of deal, right? It yeah, was yeah. it looked way worse back then. When I saw it, I was like, what? "Who's this guy?" What? Like, <laughs> like and then you see him do a shooting star, and you're like, "What the fuck?" Right. Yeah, yeah. His athletic ability is just it's just second to none. It's, That's the thing. He was so impressive because you know here comes a two time national champion wrestler, you know who just he looked impressive. He was incredibly fast. I mean, what his move set now is suplex, 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 F5. Well, his, that's what Vince wants. But his, Strikes, three moves. He he was like a big Rey Mysterio. Like he could do anything. Right. Not, 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 maybe not Rey Mysterio. To that extent. Correct me if I'm wrong. Was He he was trained by Luchas, no? 
No. I thought he was trained by Luchas, or at least at one point worked with well, Luchas he, in Mexico. He came up through OVW. So he wrestled with, like, Dr. Tom Pritchard, you know, like, the WWE. He went through the WWE. Maybe I'm thinking of someone else that... I don't think he... He wasn't trained by Luchas. Oh, you know, you know who... Obviously Luchasaurus, but that's not who it is. It's one of the other big guys like right. that, though. But because he came up... He was in the Cena, Orton, Batista, Shelton Benjamin... Um, right, him and Benjamin. Yeah, oh four, yeah, oh four, uh, master class. Yeah, they yeah. all and him and Benjamin were like best friends. They traveled together yeah. and set up the you know Lesnar drove the ring truck from town to town. He was the you know, they called him the foreman because you know he wow. was he was the guy. So that's so the, what's your three? Yeah, that's my number three. Number three, Royal Rumble nineteen ninety two, Nature Boy Ric Flair coming in number three, winning the Rumble, just an incredible event. The talent roster at that point was unbelievable. Um, and so I mean the whole the whole pay per view is the is the the Royal Rumble match. Just Nature Boy, just you know, Nature Boy, Nature Boy ended up, you know. Yeah. And uh, you know, you had Taker, Shawn Michaels, Hulk Hogan, British Bulldog, Bret Hart. I mean, the list goes on and on. And in that pay per view, Rowdy Piper beat um, not Mister Perfect, but he won the Intercontinental Title that night. I think he beat the Mountie. I don't remember, but he won the Inter- Intercontinental title, which was like another big match. You know, Piper, that was the first title Piper had ever won. Oh, really? So that's why mm-hmm. it was like a big deal. Yeah, and just also like watch it. I had all my friends. It was like one of the first times I had all my friends over to watch a show. And we were betting. My dad was making us bet push-ups on who was going to win. <laughs> that's it. The, 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 a Royal Rumble is another thing. Done right is phenomenal. Done wrong is downright bad, yeah. you know? Yeah, because it could get long and boring if it's not done right. Oh, yeah. My number three, this is the big mark spot for me. It, it's Armageddon 2008. Main event, Jeff Hardy goes over Edge and Triple H in the triple threat to win his first ever WWE Championship match. On the undercard, you also have Punk versus Ray in a very good match for a number one contender spot for the Intercontinental Championship back in the day when they did shit like that on the, on the pay-per-view cards. I believe it was Batista Orton for the WCW belt. Overall, very solid show, but... At the time, we were watching it at a buddy's house. It was just me, him, and his girlfriend. And it was like 2007, right? 2008. So we're in high school. So the show was running a little late, and his girlfriend had to be home. So his mom was like, oh, we got to take so-and-so home. And I'm like, that's cool. Like, Jeff's going over tonight, so I'm going to watch the show. So I watched Jeff go over in my buddy's living room alone. Wow. Because he went with his mom to drop his girlfriend off. (laughs) He's like, that's great, but I'm not yeah. doing that. So that's awesome. So that's my number three. Armageddon 2008. Very solid show. Nice. Number two. Maybe this is more for the moment as well, but it's on here. Uh, Vengeance 2001. Jericho beats Rock and Stone Cold. Wow. And it becomes the first undisputed. Very good. Very and, good night. Uh, and I feel like, you know, I just feel like those two major stars in the Rock and Stone Cold. And for me, like Jericho was like such a second tier guy at that point in my own eyes not maybe with talent wise or what you know was actually going on but for for just for me and then seeing him do that i'm like oh wow they really he's really he's really the guy and then you see how his career progressed and you're like oh yeah no he was the guy vince did the right thing by doing that so vengeance 2001 that's uh that's another moment for me it's a good show yeah i don't you know you can't if you if you tried like so you can't choose I can't choose that as a match right because I would have taken it as a match but you can't take it as a match because so it's, it's too, too match so I had to use it as as the event I had to burn an event yeah. spot <laughs> I had to burn the event but it had it, it had to it was a big moment uh, so my number two I got WrestleMania nineteen uh, stacked card 
Austin Rock three. Mm-hmm. Um, That's correct me if I'm wrong. Kurt Kurt Brock, right? Yeah, it's Brock breaking Le- his neck. Mm-hmm. Lesnar almost killing himself doing a shooting star press in the main event angle. Uh, Hogan McMahon and underrated stole the show match. Shawn Michaels, Chris Jericho, like Shawn Michaels coming back. Can he still do it? And the two of them just went out and had a freaking classic. You know, what I mean, Michaels back after four years. Yeah. Right. Yep. yep. First well, time back in the ring. No, not the first time back in the ring, but his like welcome back. Like the you know HBK is back. Like the real HBK. Like right. doing the moonsault, doing the elbow. Like the two of them just had a a classic. You know, the undercard you had uh, Mysterio, Matt Hardy for I want to say the cruiserweight title. Um, you had Undertaker with Nathan Jones, who was supposed to be like the next big thing, but he was there for about a month. So Undertaker, Nathan Jones versus Big Show and Prince Albert. Um, there was a Prince very Albert. Yeah, there's a very good tag match with like RVD, the Guerreros. Um, there's a good women's match, uh, Trish and Jazz. I want to say, um, just good loaded card. You know, just good show. Uh, the shot. I think one of the best shots in the history, of, you know, of wrestling is Stone Cold Steve Austin coming out from the ramp and the, the following him through because they had this crazy entrance, which was kind of like they came. It was at Safeco Field. So, I mean, it's like a weird a baseball stadium. And the way the entrance stage was, they had like these two jumbo monitors and then the big stage with all the pyro and everything. And, you know, the glass breaks. Austin comes out. And instead of like following him coming out from the front, they, the camera followed him from behind. And he comes down the ramp, and like the, the way the entrance was, it was like this way, then this way. So it kind of snaked to the ring. It was just a very cool shot following him to the ring. And in hindsight, you found out that it was his last match. And at the time, you didn't, but it felt that match felt so big. You know, it was Rock coming back from Hollywood, Austin. Just, and I know it's not, everybody thinks 17 is their best one of the three, but this one I, I liked a lot. You know, just really well done. Yeah. And Hogan McMahon was just a lot of fun, you know, to see that. And they had a good storyline leading up to that. It was just very cool. Hogan, like, drop off the ladder, threw Vince on the table. Very good show. Good show. All right, my number two. We were freshmen in high school. Mm-hmm. Didn't have a job. Didn't start, didn't start okay. working until okay. I was, like, 16. <laughs> All right. No, it, it's relevant. It was – okay. This this is when the pay-per-views were forty nine ninety nine, okay. but the big ones were fifty nine ninety nine. So I went to my dad the Sunday before – with $65 cash, and I said, Dad, I'm not asking. I'm telling you, here's the money. <laughs> We're getting WrestleMania 23 next week. Oh, good show. And, you know, that's why I didn't have a job was relevant, because, you know, to be 14, not have a job, and come up with 65 bucks, it's kind, it's kind of a big deal. It's a, bir- it's a couple of birthdays. That, co- that could be multiple birthdays, depending on how many families Depending on how much you family <laughs> So, I mean, you had the Money in the Bank ladder match with the Jeff. You had Jeff Hardy, Edge, Matt Hardy. Benoit. Benoit. Shame. Oh, no, not Seamus. What's his name? Uh, uh, Ken Kennedy. Oh, God. Finley. Finley. Kane. Yes. And Ken Kennedy obviously went over. First person to win and then lose the bet. He lost it to Edge. Oh. He lost the contract to Edge a couple of weeks later, and then Edge wound up cashing. Edge cashed it on Orton? I think so. You had the hair versus hair match, Bobby Lashley versus Umaga. Trump. Trump, <laughs> President McMahon. Trump, Battle of the Billionaires, mm-hmm. and they shave Vin, Vinny's head at the end. Um, that was 
Batista versus Taker yes. for the World Heavyweight yes. title. Very good. Good match. match. That was Cena versus HBK. HBK for the WWE strap. Let me say this about that Taker-Batista match. That was like the Ort, him and Orton had a great match, but then they did Hen, Henry Taker the next year. But Batista Taker was like that start of like Taker having these like five star matches. At yeah, because that was just you know put he put Batista over in a loss. You know Batista went over and get losing. Yeah, and because like Edge went over the next year and losing. You know in twenty four they had Edge and Taker another just classic where you can guys like you can get over in a loss and I think Batista really got over in this loss because he had such a phenomenal match with Taker. Hmm. I think I mean my opinion. And uh, that the, the whole that whole show was great. Oh yeah. Great card. So that's my two WrestleMania twenty three. Did they have like the that was the one where Santino won the girls battle royal? That might be the one where Santina <laughs> Santina, Santina yeah. Couldn't do that now. And then anyway, that's different now. Mysterio JBL. Yes. And then JBL quit for the first time. He quit like a million times. He's like, I quit. Yeah. Something else was on that show that was very good that I can't remember. Because that was a good pay that was a good paper. What was the US title match? Oh no. Well Umaga was Umaga was IC champ and Bobby Lashley was ECW champ. Yes. Yeah. But there was I, I'm Was there a Ray Ray match for the US strap? Might have been. It was definitely for a title. I'm trying to think if I'm racking my brain, there was another like very solid match on there that I can't think of. But I know that the main event was excellent, Michael Cena, and the Taker match was excellent, and the latter match was, you know. Let me see your list. Because I have a feeling we have the same number one. Okay, we do. Yeah. I so you're that. gonna go first with your number one. All right, number so then one. we'll just tag team the number one. So number one is a show that I ne- is the only show on my list that I didn't watch live, and it's WrestleMania three. And you know, there's two matches on there that to me are the all-time classic matches. I think no, they oh, no, they're both on my top five. Well, they're not on my top five. One's in my top ten. One's in my top five. But Hogan Andre, obviously, obviously yeah. the, the main event. You know, uh, it's in front of ninety three thousand people. So at the time, it's like the most people you've ever seen at a show. I mean, now they have the stadium shows all the time, so it wasn't a big deal. But this was like the only of the, at the time, the stadium show, um, Savage Steamboat. I mean, just five star classic. Um, you know, you had Jake the Snake with Alice Cooper versus the Honky Tonk Man. I mean, like a lot of that '80s cheese, but yeah, but that was the first. You get Hulk slamming Andre. Hulk yeah. slamming Andre. No, that's that me, changed everything. That's the moment for me in wrestling. And you get the great story too, with like Andre telling him in the ring, like, "You got to do it. I'm you got to pick me up." Yeah. Like, He's like, "My I, knees are tired, boy. Yeah. Like, I can't pick you up. How am I?" And pick it'll you up? forever be in the record books because it was the three, the three arena deal. They're, uh they credit it with one hundred and three thousand and on the attendance because they were in three different arenas. And that one? WrestleMania 3 was the one where it was in. No, no, that wasn't that one? Two, WrestleMania 2 was in three separate arenas. That was WrestleMania 2? Really? So, yeah, so right. where was WrestleMania 3? Because that's credited with having 103,000 people in attendance. So one was the guard with all the celebrities. Two, they did it in three separate venues. They did it at the Coliseum. They did it at, you know, you know Nassau, yeah, Nassau Coliseum. Coliseum. Um, the Spectrum in L. Well, it's not the Spectrum, but the, the you know, the... The, the big at the big, Staples big, Center, yeah. Now Crypto.com Center, yep. yeah. Whatever, whatever you, whatever it is. you know. So there, and then in Chicago, and Chicago at WrestleMania two had the football players, you know, really in the refrigerator Perry. So it was half NFL players, half uh, wrestlers in a battle royal. That was WrestleMania two, and then um, WrestleMania three was at the Pontiac Silverdome. So same, same spot as well, same city as WrestleMania twenty three. New Orleans, right? no, 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 Detroit, Detroit. Yeah, so WrestleMania twenty three was in Detroit also. Because originally they had planned on doing Hogan Big Show to kind of recreate that, but then they couldn't get Hogan, and 
It's a whole long story. Oh, 23 is also Floyd Mayweather, big show. No, that's 24. That's in 24? 24, yep. Great segment. Yeah, awesome. So much better than I thought it was going to be. Like, you know, because Big Show should obviously just annihilate him, but they made it. Yeah, Yeah, they did well. They did a good job with it. Did he break his nose? Yes. Yeah. Real, really broke. Like, real life broke his nose. Well, because Floyd was throwing, like, these, like, butterfly punches, and then Big Show's like, no, no, like, lay it in. You got to hit me. Lay it in. He's like, okay, I'm a world champ, so if you want me to lay it in, I'll lay it in. He's like, I don't want to knock you out. And Big Show's like, "Eh, it's going to be a hard time for you to knock him out. And he almost did. You got got it, Paul. Yeah, Yeah, you got it. I'll let it rip. Number one for me and I and for, I guess, Jim is uh, WrestleMania 17. WrestleMania X7, baby. Come on. So the greatest WrestleMania of all time in many people's. It's the greatest wrestling show of all time. For this, it's hard to argue. It's hard to argue for how our, our age when it when Shane, it went down. Shane O'Mac going coast to coast on fucking Vinny with the garbage can. Yep. TLC two, which mm-hmm. we're going to talk about, so don't even waste your breath right now. <laughs> um, Rock Austin one. No, Rock Austin two. Rock Austin two. Sorry, yeah. they did fifteen, seventeen, nineteen every other year. It's a tremendous show. The gimmick battle royal. Mm-hmm. I mean, for me, that was like mm-hmm. a lot of fun. Taker, Taker, Triple H, no holds barred. Yep. When Taker choke slammed him off the freaking scaffold, it looks like a terrible bump, but it's like not that bad. But it's he like the way they shot the camera angle; they were on top of a scaffold, and Taker fucking choke slammed Triple H off of it. No, really. And yeah. then that what did that that card's o- that card opens with the great match. What does that card open Jericho with? Jericho Regal for the IC title. Correct. Yeah. yeah. It was just like a great story. That's when he pissed, he pissed in the coffee mm-hmm. on Raw. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had that hardcore match, Kane, Big Show, and Raven. <laughs> yep, uh, yep, Raven. Yep. Um, what else was on there? Raven, uh, China, one of the hardcore kings. China, China and, and uh, um... Ivory. But the story behind that match was like Vince is like, you got to give her a little offense. And China's like, fuck that. She's like, that bitch would never beat me in real life. And she basically manhandled Ivory. Ivory just like, you can go ahead. Well, people say it's the worst match on the card. Worst match on the card. Oh, it right? is because yeah. because he he they were supposed to have like a back and there was supposed to be a story. Supposed line, to be a match. But China's like fuck that. I want to wrestle yeah. guys. China comes from the fucking click story school yeah. of thinking where fuck everybody. We put no one over. We step on everyone's neck in the process. She's like, why am I? I'm wrestling Chris Jericho. I'm wrestling Jeff Jarrett. I'm wrestling Eddie Guerrero. Why am I going in there against the Ivory? Because I'm the woman and I'm the women's champ. Like, she's like fuck that. I mean, I get it. From her perspective, because she was, she was, her physique was. Oh, she was impressive. I mean, she was a specimen. Yeah. But at the same time, how do you ever build up a, a woman's division if, right. you know what I mean? But that's the problem. That's why they got rid of her, because she just, she didn't want to conform. Right. It's right. like having Andre and giving him the belt back in the day. You can well, never, why, yeah, you can you never give Andre the belt. No. You can never take it off him. You right. can never mm-hmm. take him off him. Um, wasn't Angle Benoit on there? Too? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which was like a clinic. Yeah. All right. So I think for. Like WrestleMania three is probably the most significant as far as wrestling goes, sure. as far as like the history of wrestling. But for us, like, I don't know. No, I think seventeen. Everybody the spear off seventeen the spear is off the ladder. Seventeen is hold on to the belt. Seventeen is widely considered the best. The best WrestleMania. Yeah. By everybody. I mean, they tore down the house though. But we're not I gonna get, get into. That. I get three. I get WrestleMania three. three. Three is like nostalgia. You know what I mean? It's like you, you, WWE was coming into that like kind of like my era. Like three was kind of the end of like the the beginning of Hulkamania, it was like the culmination of Hulkamania was WrestleMania three against Andre, and then from night from eighty eight to because eighty eight Hogan was leaving to go do a movie, so they had to put the title on somebody. Hogan had had the title since eighty three, and this was eighty seven. Like hadn't lost, held the title for three years or three and a half years, whatever it was. It was back in the day when we did title reigns. Yeah, 
I mean, the, the most recent, the longest title run most recently is Punk still, I think, right? Doesn't Punk still have... I mean, Reigns is getting close, right? Yeah. He's got to be getting and close. And they're going to give it to... I mean, obviously, now that Punk's over on AEW... They're giving it to Reigns. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You can forget about that. That's that's gone. And I think that's why he's going to he's gonna go over Rock at WrestleMania. He's got to go over Rock. He needs Rock to go doesn't over need Rock. To, uh, uh, Rock doesn't need Dwayne, anything. This is why I don't also, fucking watch. This is why thing. I don't watch their product. Here's the other thing, though. Say Rock goes over. Rock now has to lose the strap. Yeah. Right. So what is he going to do? He's just going to just going to give it up. No, are we going to have no champ on TV for a year because he's not going to show up and drop the stat, the th- the strap at fucking Backlash well, he, or whatever the post WrestleMania pay per view is now? Vince called the Rock and said, "Hey man, you got you got the the WrestleMania window open." And Rock's like, "Yes." Uh, this was three years ago. Three years ago, Vince called and said, "Listen, I need you to make a window because the Rock is like book solid in Hollywood forever." Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's the number one box office draw in the world, which is. Which is fine. Totally awesome. That's which great. Is the, he the, deserves it. Which is the reason he can't get the fucking belt. Right. We yeah. can't have the belt not no, on that's, TV. That's my, that's my point. He just gave him that. You, I need like three Raws and I need maybe Royal Rumble. You could show up and just kind of do something real quick. You know, and Vince probably mapped it out to where, all right, where is he shooting? That's where we're going to go. So he can like get off a set. Show yeah. up. Insane. Insane. Yeah. Insane. That the, everything's going to go He's in. booking everything around. Getting the rock on, because why wouldn't you want to have the rock on? Yeah, TV? because it's you know, worth. No, I understand, figures, but yeah, Reigns got to go over. Oh yeah, he has to. Like, <laughs> and if you put the rock over, it's like to what? Do a return match the next year? Like Vince has to learn, you got to get other people over. You know, who's over in WWE right now? Nobody. Roman. 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 Yeah. yeah. Well, Who else you know, is over? Besides Roman. Right. It's Roman. There's nobody else hot in the company. Like you have, like AEW, you have 25 people who are over. You know, like you have Orange Cassidy. You got. Orange Cassidy's over. MJF, and you got like, Jungle Boy, you got Kenny. You the got fucking the Super Click is over, and their heels. Everybody's over. Yeah. Everyone's over. Everyone's over. Brian Punk, the the John Silver, our fucking guy, John. Johnny Silver, Silver baby. Yeah. Shout out New York. Tony Nice coming for. Today. Tony Nice coming <laughs> soon. No, All right. He on um, Rampage. He was on Rampage. He wrestled. Yeah. Well, he wrestled. Like he last had, night? No, last night he had a segment with. Uh, with uh, Sammy. Did they like officially announce his signing yet? Or Oh, yeah. He's wrestling on Dynamite next week cool. for, the, for the TNT strap. Let's go. Wow. Shout out Long Island. He, he, great segment. Uh, he, Tony Schiavone's interviewing him. He's like, what are you doing here? He's like, oh, you know, I'm scouting, figuring people out. He's like, that's what we do. We, we scout people. We figure people out. Sammy goes, why are you over here talking all this shit? And Tony's like, hey, man, I got no problem. Shook out his hand. He's like, let's have a match next week. He's like, it's an open challenge. I'm putting it in for the open challenge. Sammy shakes hand. They get in each other's face. Sammy goes to walk away. Tony needs cheap shot. Knee in the ribs and said, I'm going to fuck you up. <laughs> I love Sammy, man. Tony's got to go over. No, not for the belt. Come, Come on, on now. No, it's Sammy. He's Sammy's a, a young stud. He's dude. a hometown guy. It's like, I got to, you know. <laughs> yeah, but, you before, John Silver should be the AEW champ. No, I'm just <laughs> Before I'm we get serious. into top five matches, we're going to take a quick break. All right. I'm not serious when I say that about uh, Tony Nese. All right. We're here. We got to talk to you about Stay Thirsty for a minute. All right. In October. We had a special promotion going on, Droptober. You had brand new products every week in the month of October. For the holiday season, we got a little something different going on. Isn't that right, Jack? Yes, sir. This holiday season, we're going to have a mystery box for you guys. You're going to use code HAVOC to get 15% off. Get a mystery box. You're going to give a gift to yourself while you're giving gifts to the people you care about. Stay thirsty, Co. Drop the OI and focus on you. All right, and we're back. We're going to get right into our personal top five matches. Um... I'll start this one out. Coming in at number five, The Shield versus The Wyatt Family, Elimination Chamber 2014. Nice match. Two of the great stables of modern pro wrestling. 
two of the most important stables in my book since the days of evolution and Degeneration X. Both guys, great on the stick. I mean, the shield really came into their own as it moved on. Wyatt, great on the stick immediately. Five of these guys went on to become very important in the history of pro wrestling. Rest in peace to Wu Harper, Brody Lee, uh, forget his real name, John Huber. No. Eric Redbeard, what are you going to do? He's kind of an every man. <laughs> I mean, good worker. Everybody good worker, else but Just the typical big guy. Match was great. This was the match I was trying. I couldn't. That the Your login you gave me, oh. something was wrong. But I was like, I'm not going to bother. It was, find, it was quarter to 11 at night. I'm like, I'm not going to bother him. I'll find out what it is and I'll send it to you. I, was, I tried to read. That was the first time in, since I got rid of the network. And I got rid of the network the day Goldberg went over the Fiend yeah. in Saudi Arabia. That was the day. Mm-hmm. I you were like, the network. that's it. Goodbye. And Build that guy up. This match eight, I tried to re- rewatch, but I obviously could not. But I do remember it being a sick match. And just what it meant at the time. It felt real big. Big fight feel to oh, it. Oh, 100%. And Bray Wyatt's my guy. Yep. So, number five for me, uh, we just spoke about it, and it's just because of the significance is Andre versus Hulk. The significance alone needed it needed to be in the top five. So, I put it there personally. It is what it is. See, I'm not doing like an all-time top five. I'm doing my top five. Well, I just feel like for I'm going significance of what it meant for wrestling. Like a lot of these are, well, I guess you'll see. But for the significance of wrestling, I went Andre Hulk. Fair enough. All right. So I have 10 matches down here. I won't go into detail about all of them. The five that I have that are not in the top five, I have Brett Nolan, WrestleMania 13, brother versus brother, clinic. You know, Stu Hart's, you know, to pride and joy, Stu Hart. Uh, Savage Steamboat, WrestleMania 3, five-star classic. Uh, here's one that probably nobody would think that I put on here, but I put on here is uh, Charlotte and Asuka at WrestleMania 34. I think... Uh, just underrated gem. Two girls going out there and just giving it their all. I know people will pick uh, any one of the Sasha Charlotte matches over that one, but I think the significance of Asuka's undefeated streak versus obviously the best woman in wrestling, maybe in the history of wrestling mm-hmm. at WrestleMania, just phenomenal. Uh, and then I got the two matches from Halloween Havoc, Mysterio Guerrero, and Savage and DDP. But my number five match is SummerSlam 1996, The Undertaker, McFoley, Boiler Room Brawl. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> just, you know, Taker still in the purple and black. Foley just coming into his own as Mankind. And what should have been a fucking terrible match was phenomenal. You know, like, in literally in a boy room, just two guys beating the fucking shit out of each other. And, like, loving every second of it. Just put on a, a great match. And uh, SummerSlam 90, 1996 is arguably the, the best year in the history of the WWF. Because just they were down in the dumps and they were putting on pay-per-view after pay-per-view after pay-per-view. That was just phenomenal. Taker really coming into his own. Brett and Sean's nonsense. You know, you got Foley there. Triple H coming to his own. Just 96 was just a year. Foley fully playing multiple characters. And I know, I know most yeah. of them. Great character work. Oh, I love Mick. He's one of my like just, dream guys to just, have sit down in the room and talk of, to. One of the best guys. I mean, just a great... I mean, I've met him a couple times. Just a great guy. And um, I know... Everybody will think of Hell in the Cell with Taker and Foley, but that wasn't a great match. I mean, it's the the moments in that match that everybody's like, wow. But this was like a good wrestling match, good psychology. And like I said, they just they beat the shit out of each other in that match. So that's my number five. My number four, a match that going into it, you don't think should have worked as well as it did and be on anyone's list. I'm throwing my homerism aside. It's Jeff going over Edge and Triple H for the WWE title at Armageddon. 
a match that probably shouldn't have worked at the time was amazing. These three guys did great. It really was kind of Jeff's coming out party, probably five years too late. And, you know, obviously, that's my guy. That was my number. That's the only WWE title win that made me feel something ever, like emotionally. Sure. Like, sure. Jeff's the only guy that I've felt emotionally connected to, and especially, you know, terrible drug addict. Isn't that weird? Because I feel the same way that he's like one of the only guys in our generation that I feel it's like. It's the only – like and that the, – the two WCW runs, I don't give – like it's this is the most significant one for me. And he only had, had the belt a month because he dropped it at that rumble after Matt came out and smashed him and helped. It was Randy go over mm. or Edge went over in that rumble match. Yeah, which one? Right, then a month after this Armageddon, Royal Rumble 2008. Randy? Think, no, it was Edge because Edge was the champion yeah. going in. So it was his automatic rematch clause. So he dropped the belt to Edge in a, I think it was no disqualification match at Rumble. Hardy came, Matt Hardy came out, smashed Jeff with a chair or something, helped Edge win. Oh, okay. Set up their WrestleMania match, right? Brother versus brother. Yep. That's 24. 24, yep, yep. When they, so, they beat the shit out, no, 25, that was 25, wasn't it? Well, it would have been whatever, Armageddon 2008 and then Rumble 2008. Rumble happens in what month? Rumble's January, so it's January, 2009. Yeah. Rumble 2009. All right, yeah. So then you're right. It would have been WrestleMania 25. 25. Brother versus brother, no they disqualifications. destroyed each other in that match. And he finished him with a twist of fate with his head inside yeah. the chair. Gnarly. Uh, 25 is a good WrestleMania. I forgot about 20. 25 is a very good That's Miz going over Cena, right? No. That's, that's 24. 20, that's 27. 27. Wow. 25. Miz going over Cena. 25 oh. is uh, Taker Michaels. Yes. Taker no. Michaels. Oh, yes. 24 is Michaels Rick. Michael's wreck, yeah. 25 is main event was uh, Randy and Triple H, which was like the after Taker, Taker HBK was like that. Yeah. All right. So you're number four, right? Four. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Four. Four. Um, the actually, I have the fo- uh, Mick Foley and Undertaker, that, that spot. The uh, Hell and Cell? Yep. That spot. Uh, like I said, like the significance of the matches that I like chose, you know what I mean? Like you, that. We talked about McFoley, right? And I feel like he's Foley one of those... Taker, Hell in a Cell? Yeah. Like, that's King, King of the, the Ring. King of the Ring 01. Yeah. No, 98. 98. 98. 98, yeah. And I just feel like from... I don't know. From a perspective of, like, a worker, right? I don't look at McFoley as, like, he... I mean, nobody should as the most athletic or the strongest or this or that. But what he did for the the, the entertainment industry, I guess, as a whole, being able to play multiple characters, being able to take risks that no one would take, like, I don't know of many people that would take that spot. And I don't even think Undertaker wanted to give him that spot. Right? Well, the, the story goes that uh, they climbed up there, I think, the day before. And Foley's like, you're going to throw me off, right? And Taker was like, I don't know, man. Because, like, <laughs> like, you know, the spot where not the first fall, but the second one, mm-hmm. when he chokeslammed him on the cage and he went through. Yeah. Uh, accidental. accidental. That was accidental. Yeah. Because the chair was on, underneath and it. That's, that's a worse bump. Oh, of course, yeah. That's a way worse. When you're, especially when you're not well, expecting it. Because yeah. he chokeslammed him onto the chair, onto the cage, right? And yeah. then the, so the chair fell with them. Like, he could have died, well, dude. The that momentum, chair. The momentum of just falling through that cage and the ring stops you. You know, it's not like the table will break nope. and you kind of fold yeah, into Yeah, little give in the ring. And he also braced. Yeah. Like, he, you saw the way he falls off the, the, the hell in a cell. He, he braces for yeah. it. He's not just free falling like he was in that second spot. Yeah. So... I don't know. Iconic moments. Foley is a good worker, though. You can't say no. He's a good worker. I'm saying, but you—you. He's not technically sound. He's not a shooter. He's yeah. But he can though. That's the thing. Like people, people, I've always compared him to Terry Funk, and I don't think I'm alone in that. If you if you watch his when he went from WCW, he was Cactus Jack, and then he Mm -hmm. went to ECW. 
when he went to ECW, they thought he was going to go insane, like be like Sabu times a thousand, where he was just going to destroy himself. And he went over there and put people in headlocks and said, you know, because they, they put a sign up that said Kane Dewey and Dewey's his son. So they want, you know, they he's like, these fucking people want them to Kane my fucking son. Like, fuck you. You want to see me go on thumbtacks? No way. Here's a headlock. Here's an arm 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 take an arm twist takeover. There's like a, a dropped hole hold. Like he did that stuff in ECW and the fans booed the shit out of him because he was like, fuck you, I'm not gonna go destroy myself. You wanna cane my son? Fuck you, you know? Yeah, yeah. But he if you watch some of those matches, he wrestles those matches. Like he works those matches. There's not him flying over the wow. steel steps. A lot of great good to great wrest like working wrestlers came out of there though. You got the, the oh, team three yeah, D. Team 3D, RVD, you could, you could Terry arguably, Funk came through there. Like, oh, yeah. But my, my, my argument, though, is that Foley is a good worker. No, I think he's a good worker. So. I mean, yeah. I could – like I said, I could arguably put him in my top five wrestlers. I didn't, but I could for me because him and The Rock. Rock and Sock Connection. Yeah. Classic all around. Phenomenal, yeah. You know, those three characters, classic. Like, This Is Your Life Rock is the highest rated segment in the history of Raw. That's uh, – <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I mean, so you could arguably put him there. Yeah. I'm just saying for what he looks like, you know, from that, from you looking at him from afar, you don't expect him. Ultimate to... non-body guy. Yeah. He's a number, monster. Number one non-body guy ever. Oh, I'm sure. Um, Yokozuna. All right. Ugh. I mean, that's, I hate yeah. it, but all right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the, you know, I mean, Foley, yes, but Yokozuna was in a league of his own. Because that guy, you know, I can say, I, I don't put him in the non-body guy category, though. I put him in, in the like freak the, category. Yeah, the big man Tim, category. Andre, Greg yeah. Kali, the freaks. Yeah. Yeah, but he was, but but Yoko could work, you know. Yeah, and he's part of the Samoan. He's in Roman's, you know, Roman and the Rock's lineage. You know, he's part of that family. They all are, besides Samoa Joe. He's the only wrestling yeah. Samoan that's not related to any of them. Yep. Really? Yeah. <laughs> so where are we at now? Uh, four. four. You're number four. Yep. Uh, WrestleMania 13, Bret Hart, The Rock. I mean, Bret, I'm sorry, Bret Hart, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Just, I mean, watch it and tell me it's not. Maybe the best match of all time, because it's just it's Stone Cold's turning from a heel to a babyface, and Brett turning from a babyface to a heel. The, and the good old double turn. It's the classic. <laughs> you know, he's got he doesn't give up. Brett's got him in the sharpshooter. He doesn't give up. He passes out. Also, introduction of Ken Shamrock. Ken Shamrock was the special guest referee in that match, and just for what? How did that happen? Uh, well, he was already a, a UFC fighter. He was a UFC fighter. WWE brought him in. So he was like the wild card in the match. Like, what's this, this UFC? This, what is he doing here? Yeah. Right, right. So he was the special guest referee. Um, it was a no holds barred match. I mean, obviously the famous image of Stone Cold in the sharpshooter with the blood dripping down his face. Yeah. But it's just that is one of the most iconic images. They just it's just a phenomenal match. Like bell to bell, it's just you know the 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 greatest in ring general of all time, Bret Hart, and you know Stone Cold Steve Austin, the biggest draw in the history of professional wrestling. You know, and this is before Austin, like, hit, you know, before he beat Michaels at Mania. Before, you know, this is the year before. Um, and the funny thing is, is that that Mania was supposed to be Michaels, Brett, too. You know, so 96 was the Iron Man match, and this was supposed to be the rematch where Sean dropped the title back to Brett. And that's when Sean lost his smile. So then they inserted Stone Cold in there because Stone Cold and Brett had wrestled that um, Survivor Series and had, a like, a put on a clinic there. That was, like, a wrestling match. This was, like, let's beat the shit out of each other, mm -hmm. but also just... Just phenom it's phenomenal. If you haven't seen it, you should definitely go back and watch it. That's one of the best matches of all time. I have to put that on my list and give it a little Dude, rewatch. It's, it's phenomenal. Coming in at number three for me, we're going to talk about TNA again. TNA gets a lot of flack and a lot of shit for becoming the place where wrestling careers went to die. 
And towards the end, like not – I say the end, but I mean, you know, before – because I now – I don't consider Impact TNA. It's I different. Can, it's the once same. they got bought out, I considered them a new company. Yeah. But in the history of like TN, total nonstop <laughs> action wrestling from 02 to 2010, we'll say, by the end, like 2009, 2010, that's where you Mick Foley wrestled matches against Sting mm-hmm. and Hulk was there and Flair was wrestling and it did get silly. But they had lightning in a bottle for a few years. And they really had lightning in a bottle with the X Division. Well, in, Impact or TNA Impact, whatever you want to call it, was AEW before AEW. Oh, yeah. And like if you look at – if you want to go just by, by ratings numbers, Impact trumps AEW. Like, I mean, again, streaming and everything else, it's different. But they – And just, just watched TV is different. The right. way we consume yeah. content is but different. But their, their numbers are twice what AEW is doing now. They had the big Spike TV deal. Yep. So this match is – AJ Styles versus Samoa Joe versus champion, then champion, the fallen angel Christopher Daniels. At the time, well, now this is three years in the company's history. At the time, Christopher Daniels, longest reigning X Division champion at just over six months. Joe really shows us in this match that the tagline, it's not that the TNA X Division, it's not about weight limits, it's about no limits. At 280 pounds, this man is doing diving planches. He's doing full, like, over the top rope, uh, Tempe Suicida, Santons. He's flying around. He Everything Joe does at this point in his career is vicious with violent intent. He might be one of the greatest non-body guys ever to live, honestly. 100%. You want to talk about when we talked about guys who could still go when they were older, like Kane and all that. We always talk about no wasted motion. Not a single step is wasted in this match. It's a storytelling masterclass. Styles goes over Daniels with the pin to keep Joe undefeated. For his second X Division title. And at that point, only a few months later at that lockdown pay-per-view, he would beat Abyss for the NWA title and become the first two-time Triple Crown winner in less than three years. Impact was never on my radar, really. Like, I knew, like, the guys, like, you know, Scott Hall was there, Jeff Jarrett was there, like, Sting was there. Samoa Joe's what got me to start watching Impact Wrestling. Well, for me, it was Hardy. This match is pre-Hardy, I think. But Hardy's over there. A lot of guys I liked were over there. Hardy's over there. Christian Cage comes over a short time while, uh, after that. Angle was all, Angle did most of his best work of his career in TNA. Yeah, he's got more time in TNA than he does in oh yeah, WWE. which is crazy. People don't people don't understand that. He went over in his prime, like his like like what what Brian Danielson is doing now with AEW. That's what Angle did, and on a bigger bigger. I mean, Angle put them on the map. You know what I mean when mm-hmm. he came over. But like I said, Samoa Joe is the guy that got me to watch Impact Wrestling. And it's just a regular triple threat match, you know, no gimmicks, regular wrestling match. Very good, very solid. Three of the great, the TNA greats. You can't go wrong with those And at this point, Daniels is 33 years old. Like, he's no spring chicken in this match. He was in his prime. You know Daniels is not my favorite, but he's. I've come to appreciate him a lot more. Daniels is very solid. And when you hear about the, the whole deal with the, it was me all along, Austin, that deal, Daniels was originally supposed to be the guy. Yep, yeah. And then Vince was like, this guy? Right. He's 190 pounds. Fuck that. Right. And Vince wasn't in. Never watched him wrestle. Never watched him work. <laughs> Just said, no, this guy's supposed to be the guy? No way. Um, AJ Styles to this day considered maybe the best wrestler in the world. Yeah, 100%. In, in this match, Daniels and Joe are outside. And this is a spot now we see all the time, but this is the days before this was a regular spot. Styles does the running suicide dive. He bounces off the opposite side ropes, comes running back. He doesn't stop and grab the ropes like all these other. 
in stride, jumps, lands on the top rope, shooting star press onto the yeah. two of them. And when I saw that, that's when I was like, because we always say Sammy's Sean, Sammy's Brett, Sam, Sammy's fucking AJ Styles. Yes, agreed, agreed. This, rewatching this match the other night made me realize Sammy is AJ Styles. But AJ Styles was like steroided out. Like he looked, he was a little fucking bulldog. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he he, he yeah. was little and huge and mm, just a very great match. Three? Yes, sir. No, I didn't have them in order, so I gotta this is where it's gonna get confusing. This is where it's gonna get tough. I'm gonna go uh for the storytelling tell the storytelling aspect, Shawn Michaels, Ric Flair, WrestleMania. Phenomenal. Retirement match. Uh, probably, again, one of the most iconic moments that I can remember is, and I don't want to I don't want to butcher the quote. Do you know the quote? Uh, I love you. I'm sorry. I love you. I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. I was going to say, I'm sorry. I is love it, you. I'm sorry. I love you. I don't I know. No, I think it's, I love you. I love you. I'm sorry. And then, and then the pin and that pin, you know, he was saying something to him, yeah. which we and may never know kind of thing. Yeah. But he, like even the look, like there's no words said, but Rick looks back at him like, it's okay. I'm yeah. ready to like, go. Like it's – No, he wasn't ready to go. Vince forced him into that. He didn't want to go in the Hall of Fame. He didn't want to stop wrestling. Vince forced – that's why he went to TNA. He needed to though. Uh, he He's needed 59 to. years old no, in that match. It, but you can't – He could still get it, but like – You can't – you can't – it's hard for somebody to make that decision for you. And that was the issue with that. Vince made, Vince made yeah. that decision yeah. for him. Well, look and at anybody now. The only choice he had was who he was going to wrestle. Because Vince gave him, you know, you can have Hunter, you can have Taker, you can have whoever you want. He picked Shawn Michaels. Well, Shawn should have put him out. Yeah. So for that moment and for, like, the feeling that you got watching that. Watch that match now and knock it. I'd give you $100 if any, either one of the two of you could watch that match now and knock it a teary out. Oh, yeah. That's what I'm saying. 100%. That's what I'm saying. So for what, like, you want to talk about storytelling like i mean it doesn't get any better than that it doesn't get any better than that no well with the history you know because how how far they went back well hbk wanted to be rick flair right so that's you know it's just everything about that matches that's a you can't you can't go wrong with that and that's three for me and it you know it arguably could have been higher but there's reasons why so that's that's i wonder if our two if our one and two are the same well, I know our one of the one of ours is one the same, of them, what's here? and I think one of ours is the same. So we'll see. Probably. So my number three is the Royal Rumble match from 1992. Ric Flair going over. I went over it. Just loaded, loaded card. I mean, loaded talent in that. I mean, you got in that match. If there's 30 wrestlers in there, I would say 26 of them are in the Hall of Fame. That's insane. It's, it's just it. It was you know, and not just for that. I mean, it, it's. Ric Flair's, I mean, it's arguably Ric Flair's greatest match of his career because he went in there, he wrestled every single person that came in. Did he go in to one or two? Three. 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 So uh, I believe T Ted DiBiase, British Bulldog, started off. Hall of Famer, Hall of Famer. Ric Flair comes in three. Then it's one of the nasty boys. So they're going to, they're not, maybe not in the Hall of Fame yet, but they will be in the Hall of Fame. And then just like one after the other, Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, I mean, you, yeah, Undertaker, Psycho Sid, uh, the Earth. What year was it? 92. 92. I'll tell you, at the Rumbles, the I hate wasted spots and you love a good spot. We got, we got Bully Ray at the three spot in 2015 when we were there. Yeah, that's phenomenal. Bully Ray with Truth with the Get the Tape, great moment. Mm -hmm. Like, those are the moments that make the Rumble for me. So the spot in this Rumble that was phenomenal, it's like they're up to 18, 19, somewhere like that. Flair throws out the last. Everybody gets thrown out. Flair goes over, dumps over the other guy, turns around, does like the Ric Flair, like takes a couple steps and face plants. He like he's disheveled because he's been in there since three. He's wrestled everybody. He's been disheveled. 
he rolls over and then the freaking bagpipes hit and here comes Rowdy Piper and Ric Flair and Rowdy Piper in real life were best friends. And R- Rowdy Piper gets in there, puts Rick in the corner and just beats the shit out of him. And Flair again does the walk and fucking face plants, throws him over the ropes. He does like the, you know, gets over, but rolls back on. I mean, just great spot in that match. And he wins the rumble because Psycho Sid throws Hogan out. Everybody thinks, oh, Hogan's going to come in. He won 90, 90 and 91. Hogan won. So this is 92. Now Hogan comes in like, you know, 28 or whatever it is. Psycho Sid throws him over and Hogan and, and Sid are going after it. Flair just comes up. Crotches Psycho Sid throws him over the ropes hmm. to win, and then what's significant about it was that there was a vacant title at that point. So by winning the Royal Rumble, he became the champion. Oh, really? Yeah, I and remember in, that. In story, and what happened in real life was in '91, Flair got into an argument with the, the heads at WCW, called Vince and said, "I'm coming," and Vince is like, "Okay, great," and and Flair goes, "I got the title." So Vince uh, Flair went on to WWF TV with the WCW title in 1991, claiming he was the real world champion. And at the time, I believe Hogan was the champ. So then they had like the Hogan Flair. Then they vacate. Then they had a uh, Taker beat Hogan for the title, but then Hogan cheated to get it back. So then they vacated the title. And then that's when Flair. They, they put the, the Royal Rumble, the winner of the Royal Rumble was going to win the the title. And then the next year is when they went, whoever wins the Royal Rumble gets a title shot at WrestleMania. Wow. So this was like pre that whole early days of the Rumble. And just that to, to this day, to me, that's one of the best Royal Rumbles ever. Well, for me, it's the best one ever. But again, that's like the wheelhouse of all my guys, you know? My number two, TLC2, WrestleMania X7. I mean, you talk about six of my all time guys in one match getting after it, doing what they made. Hold on, we're on, on. three. No, I, I did my Oh, you three. started. I started. Right. So what you have, go ahead, say it again. It's TLC2. Okay. WrestleMania so X7. Ian C, Edge and Christian, the Hardy Boys, the Dudley Boys. Uh, all still wrestling, right? No, well, Bubba Ray and Devon don't even do business together anymore. Okay. They're not like cool. Well, uh, no, Devon's an agent for WWE now, isn't he? Devon is, yeah. yeah. And and, uh, and Bubba's just doing the podcast? Bubba's just doing, well, that's on Sirius XM Radio, Boston yeah. Open. Yeah. And That's they big. have a wrestling school, but I think they like own it together, but they don't do dealing. I think Devon runs the wrestling school and Bully Ray just kind of collects money at this point. Gotcha. There's also my two, just so we can. This is your number two yeah. as well. So, I mean, you got remind, hit on anything that I don't get. The spot, obviously, the famous, the spear, when Hardy's hanging on to the, the ladder, gets kicked out, he's hanging on to the belts. Is that Edge the spot of the match? Well, there's that. And then you got Hardy off of the big 24 foot ladder, onto the, the ladder. Swanton. Right onto the ladder. I'm how, thinking of the table spot. How about Bubba and Matt Hardy when they the get Bubba pushed bump? over? They they're both on the ladders reaching for the title, and then I think Christian or Edge, one of them pushes both ladders, and they go out of the ring through, through the, the tables. That spot to me is pretty cool. Yeah, and then Lita gets involved. Spike yeah, Dudley Lee, gets involved. Lita gets involved. Spike Dudley gets involved, and, and um, Rhino. 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 That's just. I mean, didn't Rhino carry him up the ladder? Yeah. Put him on the shoulders mm-hmm. and carried him up the ladder, right? Uh, it's, I think. It, I think. Um, is it weird to say? Is it safe to say that that changed the way tag team spots were done? Did that that change it? The, I mean, I you saw how many things in a ladder match in well, that match that you hadn't seen before. The previous year they had the the, the at WrestleMania 2000 they did the triangle. Ta- it was a ladder match, but they obviously had tables. Did a lot of the yeah, similar right. spots, and then SummerSlam. Because I think this was that was TLC two and then SummerSlam was TLC three. Okay, maybe yeah. 
Or was it SummerSlam was TLC one? And I thought was, SummerSlam was TLC one because they did the ladder match at WrestleMania, which was it wasn't a TLC match, but it still it turned into a TLC yeah, match. Yeah, just it was just a ladder match. And then TLC one was SummerSlam, and then TLC two was WrestleMania. Is that how it laid out? Believe so. I'm almost positive, actually, yeah. now that I think about it. Yeah. Real quick, just because I thought about it now. Um, don't want to waste too much time. WrestleMania 23, that month, Punk was in that Money in the Bank ladder match. And he took a twist of fate from Matt off the top of the yes. fucking ladder. Yep. Monstrous spot. Yeah. But yeah, TLC2, to answer your question, I don't know. It definitely changed the way the ladder. I mean, it set a new bar for the ladder match. I mean, it set a new bar for... A lot unfortunately, of <laughs> like, unfortunately yeah. for the like for these six guys' legacy and their legacy as tag team wrestlers and as ladder match wrestlers and as TLC wrestlers, the TLC pay per view is one of the worst gimmick match pay per views of the history well, of yeah. gimmick, ma- yeah. gimmick match pay per views, and they've kind of ruined it a little. If bit. I had to make a top ten list of tag teams, all these guys would make the top ten for sure. These three teams would make the top ten. My top ten for sure. I mean, they have to. Would they make my top five? I don't know. I'd have to really think about it. But I mean, 3D for me might be number one. Team 3D, the Dudley Boys. It's, it's and that's so crazy because I would I would put them last on, well, because, on the list of these of, well, of Edge and Christian. If, and, if you're just you're just looking at WWE WWF success, though, you ECW. talk about the, the Dudleys were ECW tag team champs. They were four or five time TNA uh, tag team champions. They were Ring of Honor tag team champions. They were New IWGP heavyweight tag team champions. Well, how about as a they tag- were all over the world? They're the most decorated tag team ever. As a tag team, they were the top heels in ECW. Yeah, as a tag team. And people okay. forget there was a whole Dudley family. Not, and, yeah, yeah, Big Dick Dudley. Yeah, had, uh, the whole deal was that Joel, Joel Gardner used to wear the fucking. You know, he had the the Big Daddy Dudley yeah. fucking had illegitimate children in every town. They yeah. visited, and they were all the. That's how D, That's why Devon was, you know, black because it that's was just how, Big that's Daddy. How they made that work. Yeah. Big Daddy Dudley just talked up yeah, with everybody. That, that's what I'm saying. For me, compared to you guys, I'm much more WWE, of course, centric yeah. than you guys. You know what I mean? So I look at I look at the Dudley boys at just just their run in WWE. Well, as, don't don't, you know. don't 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 get it wrong. Like I I'm a wealth of hist- of wrestling history. And my main focus has always been WWE. I started right. with WWE. I still watch WWE to this day. But now I'm more of an AEW guy currently because it's a better product. And in the 90s, I was a WCW guy because Hogan went to WCW. So I had to change over. I was always a WWE guy. I was never a WCW guy as a kid because I didn't really know, like, understand what the deal was. 2001 until... it went out. You know yeah. I mean? so yeah. But, you know, as early as 05, 06, 07, first of all, obviously, like I said, my guys went over there. Right. But even at that point, when I was in high school, like, this is the start of the PG era, and I was thirsty for another company to watch. Right. So TNA, like, I, dude, I watched wrestling four or five, I watched Monday Night Raw, Tuesday night was ECW, you know, WWE rebrand ECW, Wednesday was off, Thursday night was Impact, and then Friday was SmackDown, you know, if I wanted to watch it. Right. But it wasn't until recently where I'm just like so done with WWE, and especially mm-hmm. I'm not paying them ten dollars a month for I, the nonsense. I don't even watch it. Like I would say, ninety nine percent of wrestling fans' introduction from let's say nineteen eighty five to now, their introduction to wrestling is WWE. Like right. when you think, when you think, like when I was a kid, I'm gonna wa- you would be watching any kind of wrestling, if whether it was AWA or WCW or anything that was still around. You would say, "Oh, I'm gonna go watch WWF." Whether it was WWF, or not. it's like the name brand. It's like just what Clorox. it is. Q-tips, Kleenex, yeah, Clorox, yeah. yeah, right. And then they they did a good job of doing that. They they built well, that, that was up. that was VKM's big yeah. big mm-hmm. plan. 
Well, he took it out of the territories and made it a global right. wrestling promotion. So, and also early on in the in those that that 2005 year, at least for sure, Dusty was calling a lot of the shots. So yeah. that's why we had such great matches early on. Yeah. I think because Dusty, you know, one of the greatest promoters ever to do it. Ever. Bookers. Well, he was a booker, not a promoter. All right, so we're up to number two. You're number yeah. two. Number two, uh, Hogan Rock WrestleMania 18. It's very good. I mean, just <laughs> what what can you say about it? I mean, it's the greatest of one generation and the greatest of another generation coming together to have just a classic. And the way you know what Vince wanted did not happen in that match. Vince wanted The Rock to come out be the babyface. He wanted Hogan to be the heel, and the fans turned Hogan that night. You know, they went from being you know, it's coming out as the NWO. He smashed the rock with a truck. He broke a cinder block over Austin. I mean, you know, they were, he was the heel. And just the crowd, the crowd reaction alone for that match is just. Un- yeah, I, I, I can, I picture that still. Yeah. I mean, they had the. Were the, the same or no? No. All right. They didn't, they didn't touch for the first four minutes of that match. And the crowd is just Hogan, Hogan, Rocky, Rocky. You know, it's just, it's just incredible. And this is the story they told in that match of, you know, the old veteran coming in against like the young lion and the young lion going over. Just phenomenal. Just, you know. I agree. I agree with you. Number one. My number one non-pay-per-view match. Jeff Hardy. Young Jeff Hardy challenges the American Badass Undertaker for the WWF Undisputed Championship. I mean, ladder match on Monday Night Raw, widely panned as one of the best American badass taker matches. Widely panned as Jeff Hardy's great. I mean, this is the match that put him on the mat on the map as a singles competitor. Matt already competing singles. They split. He's the V one Matt version one Matt on SmackDown now. They've separated themselves. I think this is that took place. It's two thousand two. Two thousand two. Yeah. So in between the two WrestleManias. And it was Jeff Hardy's coming out party. And, I mean, this, if, you know, had he just accepted that rehab a few months later, his career, we could be talking about Jeff Hardy's career completely differently right now. Who knows what could happen? Who knows? I mean, and he did go on to do his things. Uh, but, you know, after he got fired shortly after this match, and I believe two, late 2003, 2004, yeah. it just kind of, I mean, a great career. He's had a great career for what it was. But, you know, he had his demons, and everyone has to deal with what they have to deal with. But this match, and then... You want to talk about like emotional, te- not tear jerking, but like emo- moments that grab you. Mm. Taker, you you can't break me, or that, and then Taker comes back to the ring, and you're like, oh, that's he it. He put he's, him over. He's gonna fucking tombstone him, and then he, he puts him over. Right? Yeah, that is without a doubt honorable mention. And I I think I, mean, Har- I think Hardy earned uh, Mark Calloway's respect that night. I think he earned everybody's respect. And it's unfortunate that he couldn't get himself under control because who knows? The sky was the limit at that point. He, he was the better athlete. Yeah, I mean, he's going to go down as a three-time champion. I doubt he gets another one with with Vince before no, he leaves, no. even though he said he wants to wrestle Roman. You saw that? Yeah. But he's going to go down as a three-time champion. Everybody wants to wrestle Roman, dude. Like, you know, Obviously, like, yeah. You know. Top of the food chain. Yeah, exactly. I think, I think he could still go. I think he could give – him and Roman could put on a good match. Yeah, but it's just – again, you got to get him hot to get him in there. He needs know? to come over to AEW. He'll finish there. What's he gonna do there, though? He'll finish there. Him and Matt will team up one more time. One they, more they'll run do there. the the Nero. Yeah, they'll, they'll do whatever do the they Nero want. Nero broken Matt Hardy thing, and I think we'll get one more shot at Willow. Okay, but we'll get into that. Maybe I would. I would say good choice for number one. Yeah, I would say for a non pay per view match too. Right, that's as good. That was a ladder match, wasn't it? Ladder yeah, match. it was a ladder match. That's as good as it gets, man. That's as good as it gets. That was in that era when Raw was having monster matches because they had that Ric Flair Triple H title match. There was a 
a Kane and RVD match was very good. There was like a bunch yeah, yeah, of yeah. like that time period of Raw is very underrated. I mean, they also did the freaking thing with Kane's girlfriend in the ca- in the casket, Triple H going in the casket, which was like <laughs> they had a lot of a bunch of uh, Katie, Katie gimmicky Vick, right? things, Katie yeah. Vick or whatever it was. It's just like it was around the same time that they did the Stephanie Stalker thing, right? Or was that came a few years later? That was earlier, I think. Earlier, yeah. My number one, um, I don't even like Shawn Michaels to me. Obviously, great. As good as he was, you know, uh, as great as he was, I, I never viewed him as like one of my t- my favorites personally. And yet, out of the, my five matches, he's on it twice. So whatever, <laughs> I got Michael's um, taker. Twenty five, maybe twenty six, twenty five. So twenty five is great. Twenty six for me, not you know, I'm not just, yeah. Twenty six for me, a little bit better. Why do you say that? More stakes. Because you had the retirement aspect of it, yeah, and uh, just like the Shawn Michaels coming out and doing the this and then slapping Taker, just awesome. <laughs> All right, so and yeah, I hear you. Arguably the best Tombstone Taker's ever delivered. It's twenty six. WrestleMania twenty six. Yeah, he, he does like a jump on it and and like but you knew you knew did my- that original Tombstone was crazy though. Yeah, in the day. Yeah, and that's the one. Twenty six is the one where uh, he kicks out of the Tombstone. He kicked out of the tombstone and Taker that's when had his did. tongue out and yeah he falls to the side yeah and that he, is iconic that's, but that's when he got up and he did like the like the very like he's like broken but he did the DX and then he and then he slapped Taker yeah that's when Taker so the storytelling it. aspect twenty six probably but but a lot of people most people would probably pick twenty yeah. for me twenty six was just a little bit better mm-hmm. so I remember twenty five is what got me to get twenty six all right <laughs> you got to get yeah right, right, you know yeah, what yeah. I mean like yeah. I, like twenty five is phenomenal. I mean, twenty five. It doesn't really get much better. It's crazy. It's crazy when you guys say it and you're going down your your list. I'm like, oh my god, I forgot about that one. I would have, you know, like how how could I not? And well, then, everything on my list is my heart. Like that's not like uh, you know, like there's some things on here that are considered the best of whatever. But like this is the ones that had the most either emotional or just like I loved it or what you know. Right, like, right. Or it might not even be like some of the events that I picked were watching it with my like. AEW, we got the first AEW pay-per-view in my house. It was Memorial Day weekend. You know, I remember Jamie was out. We ordered pizza. It was just like a cool, like we were hanging out. Yeah, we got a little banged up. Yeah, it was just fun, <laughs> you know. Like stayed awake for the whole thing. You know, Moxley coming out at the end. It just was like a cool, again, not the best pay-per-view you ever saw, but just everything around it was just awesome. Right. Like 92 Royal Rumble. Yes, it's considered one of the best Royal Rumbles, but like that was the first pay-per-view I got to have all my friends come over and my dad busting all of our chops and just like this everything surrounding. So that's like that's why I pick my list. Because right, right, right. Like you know. Well, what's your number one? Number one is Hulk, Hogan and Andre. I mean, <laughs> Hogan and Andre WrestleMania three. Hogan, yeah. Hogan and Andre WrestleMania three. It's to me, it's the perfect wrestling match. You know, you had these two guys who had been best friends. They go into the you know the, the famous Piper's Pit where Bobby Heenan, who was the the you know the, considered the greatest manager of all time, but a heel manager, comes out with Andre, who had been a huge baby face. And Andre challenging Hogan and ripping up, ripping the cross, and the cross cut Hogan's chest, and he had the blood running down, and you know, and you're in front of ninety three thousand people, and Andre for at that point had been I think fifteen or twenty years undefeated, hadn't lost a match in fifteen or twenty years, and you know, Hogan going into the match didn't know if Andre was going to do business, you know, because right, that was the big thing. If Andre wanted to, Andre could beat anybody, you know, it's Andre. Yeah, then, just make you take the pin. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just the way the match starts with Hogan going for the body slam, right? At the be- you know, he's hulking up at the beginning of the match and he goes for the body slam. Andre falls on top of him. Was it a two count? Was it a three count? You know, and the referee's going two. 
you know, you watch Bobby Heenan in that match. If you want to be a manager, you watch Bobby Heenan at WrestleMania three, just screaming at Andre, you know, finish him. What are you doing? Finish him. And Andre for majority of the match is toying with Hogan, body slamming him, you know, manhandling Hogan, which nobody had been able to do. And then for Hogan to come back, he knocks him down, get, they both get back up, picks him up, body slam, drops the leg, you know, just classic wrestling. As iconic as it gets. And even as a kid to this day, it's still, you know, to me, the, the perfect wrestling match. Probably the most important match in the history of the business. Of the history of WWF. Not in the history of the business, but in the history of WWF. You know, you could argue uh, Harley Race, Ric Flair, Starcade number Yeah, one. but you could argue where's the business at today if WWF didn't succeed the way they did, right? Well, it might still be in the territories at that point. More local, not Which is... national exposure, you know. So this was... WrestleMania was the gamble that Vince took that he put all bet the farm on. WrestleMania two was a success, but not as big. So he had to have a success. He had to cash in three, yeah. You know, and to get that to fill that stadium, I mean, ninety three thousand people is no small fee. No, no matter what, what no matter what era you choose, ninety three thousand people getting in the stadium. I mean, today they're considering the Grand Slam twenty one thousand people. That's like a miracle that they were able to put that together. AEW. And this was 93,000 people, right. not in a big market. You're talking Detroit, Michigan, you know, a, a downtrodden, worn out area of the country. You know what I mean? And he put 93,000 people in that building. Right. Yeah. And to me, it's like the main event of main events. You want to go straight to the top five guys? Top five. My number five, John Moxley slash Dean Ambrose. From day one of the Shield, this guy was the best out of the three of them. Couldn't agree more. He's one of the best on the stick in the game right now. He could sell you on a match versus between Santa Claus and fucking the Easter, Easter Bunny, dude. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't need anyone to help him. He's a great storyteller in the ring. The lengths he's willing to go for this business. He's about this fucking life. Yes, he is. He's not about anything else. He's about the pro wrestling life. He will do anything to tell the story he needs to tell in the ring, including taking the Nick Gage pizza cutter. Across the mouth. Across the mouth. You ever seen that? No. Nick Gage took the pizza cutter and stuck it inside his mouth and sliced. Tried to, give him, tried to give him the Joker smile. And he's, he's Moxley talking about that in the Dark Side of the Ring episode. Said he's like, I, I was like, this motherfucker cut my tongue out. Yep. It's like, this motherfucker just cut my tongue out. I can't believe it. Uh, multiple times CZW Tournament of Death participant has taken Sawzalls to the skull in the Tournament of Death. Mm-hmm. Um, he's fucked up, this guy. What, he's like my current. He's been my current favorite for a while. I mean, since AEW opened, that that whole world has changed. I don't even. I'd have to sit down and tell you who my current guy of guys is. Might be MJF. Gotta be MJF. But <laughs> definitely in that in that run, he was my guy in WWE. Like po, you know, in my adult life, MJF so, might be on my top ten all time. When wow. it's all well, he's only twenty four. Yeah, when it's all said and done, if he stays healthy. I think and as long as he wants to keep doing it, that guy, like, Sky, you got to want to do it. Sky is the limit for that guy. Sky is the no, limit. No, he is. He's, 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 he's good. He's as good as it gets. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ruffle the feathers here, okay? Number five, Charlotte Flair. Oh, my. I mean, I don't hate it. Yeah, I didn't you, put any women on this list. I, I just have no. one, and it's Charlotte Flair. You want to talk about China and what China did for, I guess we'll call it women, even though she really didn't put anybody over. She really no. didn't help. Create China didn't really stars. do much of anything for anyone but Ch- China, dude. China's not even in the top five women's wrestlers for me. We just no, t- we just tend to right. talk nice about China because she had a tragic end. Well, and no, like, but it's what she what. But at that time, at that time, at the time, she did everything for herself, dude. So I don't really need to say. Um, there's a million things I could say about Charlotte Flair, right? I understand that lately, 
there's been backstage beef with her. I bet and, you and, she winds up in w- yeah. AEW. Her husband's over there. Yeah. And, or uh, no, husband. Andra, husband. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. get married. Oh, and, and, and well, that and I feel like, well, with Flair now, right? Flair's not working in WWE right now, no. right? Nope. Right? So I She's feel, got no ties there. Right. No, t- <laughs> no ties left there. And I feel like her and Becky had that full, kind of fallen out yep. recently. So anyway, I don't think it's a stretch to say that she's the best woman's worker ever. Probably. No. No, she, um, she is. It's hard. It's hard. Hard to argue. I mean, Trish. Trish has got to be in that conversation. I thought. I truly thought. I said I was going to put one woman on here, and I truly thought it was going to be Trish because if Trish wrestled in her prime in this era right here, she would have taken over. I, think, I believe. Here's the thing, though. Medusa might be better than all of them. You know, Alundra Blaze, like Medusa, mm-hmm. whatever you want. Yeah. To yeah. But. She, the women up until like when Trish and Lita came out, where Trish and Lita were tearing it up, like they they got no time. They got no, no. like Mula, May Young, like they might be in the conversation, but we didn't see them. And again, like there, you know, Wendy Richter, like there's a lot of women yeah. that that you know, even Ivory. Ivory is considered one of the best work female workers of all time, but she never had her due. I right? would give one one woman a shout pre give divas a chance, and that's Trish Stratus. I mean, Lita maybe, but I just I can't do it. Lita had because I just feel like everyone, from the, everyone from this give the divas a chance movement, like Sasha Banks, little small. That's not her fault. Yeah, Sasha's amazing, better than most of those women. Yeah, Charlotte obviously, Becky obviously, um, Bailey not for me, but you can't really. Bailey's deny not it. for me. She's either. not for me, but you can't deny her. But who is for me? And it sucks that her career ended the way it did. Paige, I think. I mean, if Paige never broke her neck. And had a problem, even with her problems with Alberto Del Rio, she made it out of that. And then she yeah. broke her neck twice or whatever it was. I don't know. I, I, Underrated, too, is AJ. AJ, AJ was another Lee, one yeah. who was phenomenal. Oh, small, though. Right. Small, small, yeah. I just feel like from every aspect of what I what you look for in a superstar, like on the Charlotte could talk with the best of them. She's a great heel. She, you know, she has the flair. Obviously, well, this is going to be quote unquote. She has the flair, right? <laughs> so she has, and she has the she has the bloodline. Like it's there. Everything is there. And she has the athleticism. Yeah, so she's a, this yeah. Is a she's an athletic one, freak. It's a division one volleyball player. Yeah, she is a genetic. Freak. So, you know, that's why I put her. I put her at five. I mean, I think I, she could be a little rigid on the stick, personally. But I don't know if that's her no. Fault. I think she. That's I think. Her. I think her I arrogance. Think her I think her arrogance and the, the way she can present. You don't always have to be perfect. You know what I mean. Like Ambrose is in that upper echelon. Uh, MJF, um, I put the Miz very high up on on you know talkers. I don't, you don't have to be perfect when you when you're arrogant. You don't have to be perfect when you're. How, what, what I don't know how many times has she won the women's championship? She's like eleven or something. Right. Like so yeah. when you're She's when you're for Rick before, yeah she'll right. she'll break sixteen. Yeah. Not in WWE, probably not. No, but. she will because even if she leaves, she'll come back eventually. Make no mistake, majority of the guys who leave. And go to ADW or coming back. Yeah. Danielson's come. Punk's not going to. But a lot of these guys are going to come back. Yeah. Because the money eventually is going to be too big and AEW can't keep everybody. Right. Young. And that's the thing that we talked about. But that's that should be a whole different episode. Yeah. What's going to happen when these contracts end at AEW? And then Vince says, hey, here's a boatload of money because I got to get some. I got to get something back. Charlotte's a good choice, though. I think I think Charlotte's definitely. What's here? Your number five. Number five, I got uh, the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be Bret Hart. Like it? You know, I, one through three for me is locked in forever. Like, will never change my, my top three. <laughs> and that, they're but not af- going to be ours. <laughs> but after that, it's like, it's very hard to choose. And then I'm sitting thinking the other night, and I'm like, who would be the, like, if I had to nail it down? And Bret Hart is just, you know, 
I remember Bret Hart as a tag team wrestler. He started, he was the Hart Foundation with mm-hmm. Jim Neidhart. And every match they had was great. And then you look at Bret's career, and he's got match after like even on my top uh, my top ten list. I mean, Bret's on there I think three times. You know, I mean, just he's just a worker. You, you can take you know not for everybody, but the sixty man Iron Man with him and Shawn Michaels. You could take him and Owen at WrestleMania ten. You could take you know and just he was everything. He had he was had great look about him. He wasn't huge, but he wasn't small. He had great look. He uh, had a very long career in the WWE. He just match after match was just great. You know, I met him. He's a great guy, you know, and just it was hard not to put him on the top five because he's just, you know, he when Hogan left, he was the guy. No, I, I, I see it. I get it. You know, and, I do. And I wasn't a WWF guy. At that. I mean, I was watching, but, I, you know, it was like Hogan had left. And I'm like, eh, you know, what am I going to do? You know, and he was he came into it and, you know, Brett was Fuzz's guy, right? Brett was my brother's guy. Yeah. Brett and Sean were like, you know, and Brett probably more than Sean because Brett was the guy. So, like, that's part of it, too, because he was my brother's guy. My brother loved Bret Hart. You know what I mean? And, like, we had the WWF Raw game, and I was always Taker, and he was always Brett. You know I mean? I was mm-hmm. just, like, you know, we'd do the Royal Rumbles and the Survivor Series matches, and he always, and he would get pissed if I would pick Brett, like, on my Survivor Series. Team. No, 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 I got to have, you know what I mean? Because that was his guy, so. My number four, Phil Brooks, CM Punk. CM Punk. Um. I hear you right away, and I see you, and and I understand. <laughs> no I get good? it. Look, no good? here's my thing. Ever? I mean, he's my, and mine, mine. I understand. It's mine. I understand yours. It's not my list of the best ever. It's my favorite. Punk at a time was the guy when Cena was doing his fucking version of the Dwayne. I'm coming. I'm going. I'm coming. I'm going. Ultimate yes man. Ultimate company guy. Great on the stick. Great in the ring. I'm not going to sit here and everyone knows what, you know, he took his ball and he left, whatever. Without Punk, there's no Daniel Bryan. There's no Adam Cole. There's no Kenny Omega. There's no Johnny Gargano. There's no any of these, un- there's no any of these undersized guys who aren't super ripped up, who are king of the indies that make it big time. Uh, Punk is the guy who kicked the door down. I just got to stop you there. Sean and Brett kind of did that before them. Yeah, but that I mean, like the indie guy, not necessarily okay. the small guy, but okay. like the small super indie re- king gotcha. of the indie super wrestler. Agreed. Because we know Vince isn't into the super wrestling. No. He wants sports entertainers. He wants strike, strike, strike. You have three or four big spots, and the match is going to end with five of your number one finisher. Right. These guys are coming from Ring of Honor and, and New Japan Pro Wrestling, and you know the Pro Wrestling Gorilla, where it's a different style of wrestling. Where you don't need to be 270 pounds to be a threat. Right. So I think as far as making it into the mainstream, making it with Vince, I mean, it was. is there a better NXT champion in the history of NXT than Adam Cole? I mean, it's close, but he's in the top three. Balor. 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 Yeah. Well, okay, Balor's another guy that's not there without Punk. Yeah. 205 pounds. I'm just mm-hmm. saying as an NXT champ, Balor and then maybe uh, Nakamura. Because Nakamura was over like Rover. Nakamura NXT. is another guy that is on that list of guys that never made. He's it not tremendous either. He's a little taller, right? But he's not. He's a little taller, he's but not, he's not that big. But he's no. also the king of the Japan Super Indies, yeah. and that's not someone that Vince was really interested in well, pre-punk. Uh, New Japan is not a super indie. New Japan's a legitimate. Well, role. yeah, especially at this. point. All Japan is kind of a super indie, but New Japan is a is a is a legitimate program. You know what I mean? And here's what I'll say about Punk. Punk from 2000, I want to say seven until 2011 or maybe even past that maybe 2012 nobody had a better match than punk on wwe tv in that time period i mean consistently the best match on the card every single time he was out there 
I mean, it's arguable. If we're going by, you know, who pulled the hard strings? Obviously the pipe bomb. Right. Yeah, the pipe bomb, yeah. If we're going by who pulled the hard strings, I could see how Punk's in there. You know, I just wouldn't put him in my top five all time. But if you're going by your top, you know, my top five, not not the generic polls top five, I could see it. Part of, I think, what grabbed me with Punk when he, he came on as at the, the ECW origin, uh, New Brood, right? Yeah. In like 06, yeah. 07, something like that. So I would have been around 14. He stood out yeah. from everybody else because he was different. He was because different. everybody was co- so cookie cutter mm-hmm. at this point. And this guy comes out and he does a lot of the BJJ inspired moves, a lot of the Muay Thai inspired moves, and the GTS. You know who the GTS uh, is a sick finish. Heyman is a big, really responsible for him. Oh yeah, because for years Heyman was like, "You got to get this guy Punk. You got to get he's the guy. You got to get him." And Vince kept saying, "No, he's too small. He's got tattoos. He's got the you know." Because at the time he was right bleach blonde in his hair, like he like look he was like not a you know not a traditional looking Vince guy. You know, not the six five. He never was, and he still no. isn't. Yeah. So, but he's the you know the best the be- he's one of the best guys on a when the, we walk through the door he's one of the best guys in AEW yeah mm-hmm. you know yeah still yeah number four we got John Cena again again a lot of a lot of flack's going to be given out in this these top two oh, my let Lord. me explain to you I, I don't know what no 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 before that before all that when I don't know what documentary it was in maybe you guys can help me out maybe you saw it. Where he talks about how he was getting cut, um, he was done for. He was getting cut as the prototype. Yeah. Um, you talk about yeah. like one of the Cena, one of the Cena documentaries, like the like My Life, John Cena, or mm-hmm. like one of those. No, or? it was more of a like a twenty. No, wouldn't have been twenty four. Well, I'll tell you what he says. So they're on the bus and he's uh, freestyling on the back of the bus. They're all Mysterio is freestyling with a few other guys in the back. So he jumps into the back and he and he's like, I'm gonna freestyle. And he goes off the cuff. I'm just freestyling and I'm just trying it for the first time ever. And Stephanie McMahon is in the front of the bus. And Stephanie had told me that at the end of the month, I'm going to be cut. I'm going to be released from the contract. So there's two shows left. And then I know, all right, my time's up here. It didn't work out. And they gave me every opportunity in the book and I blew it. So I'm freestyling on the back. And she comes to the back and she goes, that's pretty good. Can you do that tonight on Raw? And he was like, yeah, give, just give me the chance. And he went out there and he goes, and I went off the cuff for the first time freestyling on the back of the bus and I gave it a shot. And the doctor of the ergonomics was born. And for that run, that part of his run, now obviously, you know, five moves. Super Cena. Yeah, Super Cena, the whole nine, everybody, you know. But for that first half, for that first part, I mean, that was pretty magical. That was pretty lightning in a bottle. Him going over on the big show to win the U.S. championship, right? I was in the building for that and he got... It's WrestleMania far, 20, right? Yeah, WrestleMania 20, by far one of the loudest pops of the night. Okay. So I'm surprised they, that wasn't on your list. What, the 20. WrestleMania 20? 20. You and your brother went, you know, it's a big moment for you two. It, it, it's, it's, on, it's on the top 10 because I was there. Not one of my favorite wrestling shows. Mm-hmm. Like, Obviously, being there amps up everything. It changes, you know. I mean, but, you're not going to pass up an opportunity to go to WrestleMania. And I was no. given the opportunity. <laughs> I was going to watch it on pay-per-view. I was happy to watch it on pay-per-view. I wasn't thrilled with the card at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, looking back on it, great card, great show. But it's not one of my favorite events. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, loved going to it. Loved one of the best things I've ever done live. But not one of my favorite wrestling events. Like, I didn't walk out of that show with, like, the warm and fuzzies. Like, I had no, right. the other shows on my list. Like, that show, and, it was good. I had a lot of fun. It was awesome. You know. And again, if you say, if you could say that Hulk carried... 
that generation, and then you say Stone Cold and The Rock carried that generation, you can't say that Cena was, didn't carry Cena, this generation. Cena and Orton and Triple H. Yeah, you yeah. can't you can't say that didn't happen. You know what I mean? It, and and Triple H really he spanned multiple generations, so that was that's the thing. There's a point in like oh six oh seven, and you can feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. But Monday Night Raw was essentially carried by Randy Orton and John Cena. Hundred percent. Yeah, for like a good eighteen month run. Like once once uh, it was you know Batista was kind of in and out, but it was Orton and Cena were like well, Batista was always doing the movie thing. Yeah, even back then he was doing the WWE films. Yeah. He was always taking time off to go and shoot. Ed- Edge is on that list too, though. Oh yeah, because you had the you had Triple H, Taker, Sean were like the vets, and then you had you know because like Vince was at that time was trying to push Lashley more than anybody. I feel like I think Lashley was kind of on the come up, mm-hmm. and Cena and Orton were like the mainstays. Like they were going to be there, they were going to be on every card. You know, mm-hmm. they were kind of flip flopping the title. But I see you can't you can't be mad at a Cena. No, I mean, what do you got for four? Taker, love it. I love that. I thought they were all dead. <laughs> I thought everybody on your list was dead. No, no, I said three. Three of them are three of them. Well, no, two. So of them, far, both of them are alive. Two of them are dead. Three in that uh, three are also alive, and one's like kind of holding on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, Rick, no, he's like on the cusp of making the list, but he didn't. He was my dad's favorite, so it's like hard for me to pick him as my favorite. Gotcha. But Taker, I mean, what can I say about Taker? I was there the night he debuted. Not there, but I watched live the night he debuted on Survivor Series, and he was awesome. Uh, one of the first guys to just like flat out beat Hogan in that era, um, and then just you know, I mean, what 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 could I say that you could pull? Uh, you could do a whole hour segment on on Undertaker. So Taker, I, I understand when when Hogan left, you know, everybody gravitated towards Brett and Sean, and I gravitated towards Taker. Like Taker was the guy that I liked. He, you know, it was Diesel and Razor too. Like those were the three guys. I liked Diesel, Razor, and Taker. Where most guys were like Razor, Brett, and Sean, but Taker was like the guy. And just, you know, his longevity, his consistency. WrestleMania 20, that was my favorite moment of the night when he came back from America. He was the American Badass. He came back as the Dead Man Taker. Mm-hmm. And I remember the chill that I got through my body when Paul when, uh, Paul Bear got on the mic. He was like, oh, yes. And I was like, oh, here he is. You know, <laughs> it was, you know. Do you just... have Taker in your list? No. Okay. I, just, I said I, all, all my guys are active still. He, he, he's on my list, so. I had to put him on there. I, just had, I had to put Taker on there. Just, you know, he's on... Two two of my top ten matches, I think, or one, mm-hmm. at least one of my top ten. I mean, just, no, it's nobody would ever, no one could complain about that. Thing. Yeah, coming in at my number three, uh, I think when it's all said and done, this guy is my goat, my personal. Here goat. we go. Here we go. Say it. Y two J, Chris Jericho. <sighs> the man has been a main event level talent. He hasn't been at the main event the whole time, but he's been a main event level talent for twenty years now. He's been in the business for 30, ever-changing, understands the things that you need for longevity, understands what he needs to do for the business, not one of these guys that needs to get put over. I don't think he got the AEW belt because he wanted it. I think he got it because he knew it would legitimize the company. I 100% legitimize agree. The belt. Yep. He understood. He can make anything a chant, anything a meme. He, you know, obviously they call him that, the demo god, whatever. The other nick, I forgot the other nickname they gave him. But like the ability for him to get uh, the bat over, right? He could get anything over. He the got list. a pu- he, the list. The list became a character on the show. He did right. it as a joke. Ever changing across multiple companies, multiple characters, and the in in ring in ring work is still great today. I think like the guy still goes at fifty years old plus. Let me ask you this: Does he make the list without the AEW run? 
I think so. Okay. No AEW is still that still that little thing he did in New Japan though. Like Painmaker, as long as I still get the Painmaker, he's on the list. I mean, he because you got Lionheart, Chris Jericho. You got Y2J, Chris Jericho. You got Save Us, Jericho. You have the Painmaker. You have that little run he did between Save Us and leaving WWE. Then you get the Painmaker, and now you also the have the best friends with Kevin Owens. I mean, the best friends with Kevin Owens, and now you have the two separate kind of versions of the same character we've seen. Well, you got the, with the, like inner the circle. heel, the heel Jericho, and now the face Jericho. You got the heel beginning when he was wrestling like Moxley and Hangman, and um, I think they're actually better as baby faces. To be completely honest with you, well, the inner circle they're like the cool the cool heels more than they are baby face, right? Because like they still have heelish tactics, but they're yeah, but they're like that. That the match against the Men of the Year and American yeah, Top they're, Team, they're they the were faces. the clear baby faces. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean you can't you can't argue, Jared. I mean, and even like to the simple shit like ever changing move sets. Like now, there's things he always he doesn't really finish people with the walls anymore. No, no. you're right. No, he's got he's he uses the, the elbow the, now. Yeah, yeah the uh, what is that called? The uh, the Judas, Judas effect. Yeah. And then, he, but even the code breaker, which started out looking way more cool than it became. Well, he, if he went back to WWE, his move set would be. The lion salt, the, the walls, I mean. And the code breaker. Code breaker, you mm-hmm. know. And then he'd do the Judas as like his finish or whatever. <sighs> Go right. ahead. Number, number three. Number three. And I, it's, this is, this is where it gets weird because we're going to have to get back to that. We're going to have to get back to Jericho. Number three, Undertaker, everything that you said, basically in a nutshell. I mean, I think the best thing that ever happened to Undertaker was him becoming the the American badass. For 100%. That, for that because it just never got – even the dead man never got stale. You know what I mean? Well, he 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 evolved his character from day one. I mean, he started off oh, as yeah. like this very – I mean, I don't know if you guys remember, but he came out like slower and Very slow and brooding. And he yeah. started – Paul Bearer was not his first manager. Bruce Prichard as Brother <laughs> Love was his first yeah. manager. And he was paid by the Million Dollar Man to join that Survivor Series yes. team. And he was like the gray gloves with all the, the black – purple tie – well, no, purple didn't come till later. He was really? gray for the first. I think it's whole WrestleMania. I think WrestleMania eleven. He wrestled Bundy. He came. He was hurt for WrestleMania ten, and then he came back for eleven, and he wrestled Bundy, and that was the purple gloves. But he also had that feud with Yokozuna at Survivor Series when all the heels buried him in the casket, or maybe Survivor Series was the. I forget. But he had a match with Yokozuna at one of the big pay per views. Lost, got buried. Buried. It was like a buried alive match, and then he came back as the purple. Then Mabel, who became Viscera, sat on his face, broke his orbital bone, and then he wore that Phantom of the Opera mask. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he evolved into, like, the Bat, you know, I don't know if you want to call it, like, the Bat Undertaker, where he would, you know, he came down Survivor Series against Mick Foley, and he had, like, like, kind of looked like Batman a little bit. Mm -hmm. Then he came back with the teardrop, and he was, like, that version, like, the Ministry of Darkness version. So, I mean, he, as ever changing, constantly changing his character. But even, little things, little little nuances in, in his. But he didn't change his movesets or nothing. He would add, I, always add. I feel like when he became, he added that the the fucking Gogo Plata, the modified Gogo Plata in like 2011, the Hell's that? Gate, yeah, the yeah, submission. Yeah. Well, he like he didn't always do. He the, I think the first time he did like the walk across the ropes was like two years after he debuted. You know what I mean? And then he added the the top row plancha. Then he added. You know, like the 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 chokes. He didn't do the choke slam for a long time either. He would just choke you. He would get in the ring and do the. You know, he would get like say he'd be wrestling Coco Beware. He'd get Coco Beware in the corner. He'd be one, two, three, four, and then he'd let the choke go, and then he'd put it back on one, two, three, four. So I mean, he his even his move sets have evolved. And he was incredibly athletic too. 
just for everything that he yeah, offered. Basketball player, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he was a basketball player. Yeah, I think he played, I want to say UNLV or something like that. Yeah, he played or maybe, ball. Maybe, maybe Nash played. He UNLV, played college right? ball somewhere for a little bit. Yeah. But that that's my three. I mean, even even that match against AJ, his last match against AJ. Oh, he, they did a very good job. He with wasn't that. the dead man. I mean, he was, but he was more of a biker character, and he wasn't really American badass. He was kind of in between the American badass and the dead. Yeah, man, you know? I had wished he was full on American badass, and I think he would have been if COVID had not happened. But yeah. I think that going with the, with going, the limp biscuit. but going yeah. out on that note was ab like the way they did it was the absolute best way. I don't think that AJ and him could have had a better match in no, the ring. That 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 was. Perfect way for him to go out, you know, you know what especially I mean? on the bike at night. You know, yeah, like AJ Styles could wrestle any kind of match that you need. He can wrestle anybody. Yeah. Any kind, anybody, any style match, any pace, whatever you want to do, he could do it. Yeah. So you're number three. Number three. So my top three has never changed since I'm six years old or whatever, seven years old. It's always been the same top three. So number three, Macho Man Randy Savage. Ooh, yeah. Uh, I'm not going to do it. not going to do it because everybody does it. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> yeah. But uh, the Macho Man... You know, when I started watching, he was the Macho King. And he was like this ultimate heel. He had the sensational Sherry as his manager. And at WrestleMania 7, he wrestled the Ultimate Warrior in a career match. Lost. So ended his career. And then that summer, he got married to Miss Elizabeth. And then Jake the Snake put the snake in the box. And, you know, then he re got reinstated. But he was just, he was it. His promos, like you couldn't beat his freaking promos. I mean, just, you, you watch Ahead that. of his time. You watch that cream. Very coked up. Very steroided out. Not till later. Steroids were not till later. Very coked up. Uh, when he's in Bobby Heenan's face. That's up for the, debate. In those backstage <laughs> segments with uh, not not Bobby Heenan, Mean Gene. When he's back there, like firing up, screaming, spitting on people. There's no doubt in my mind he's not on drugs. Well, from, from what I understand. Everyone did cocaine in the 80s. From what I understand, he was not a big drug guy because he was just that intense. You know what I mean? Like he used to take, when he was married to Miss Elizabeth, he used to take her and lock her in a, in a closet. And say, you're staying here because he was nervous that if he was out at the ring and she was in the back, that one of the wrestlers was going to like hit on her or something. But his, like I said, his promos were the best. He went to WCW at the later part of his career and had a year long run with DDP that was just unreal, like just match after match, you know, changed his persona. He was a member of the NWO, then he was out of the NWO. When he came back after doing Spider Man, and he was, well, not he did Spider Man answer, but. Before he, he was so fucking steroided out in Spider-Man, dude. So out. big in Spider-Man. When he had gorgeous George. Remember that? I watched that movie the other night. He is bigger than you remember. Yes, ginormous. He's bone saw at the beginning of the first Spider-Man movie when he, in the wrestling match. And this when, when Oh. That's Macho. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he was also, like, <laughs> at, at the time, there was Hogan and then it was Macho was two. So Hogan was, like, the guy. And then Macho was the second guy. But Macho was, like... Uh, you know, he was the heel, you know, after him and Hogan had their friendship or whatever. So Mach, most of his career he was a heel, but he did have his baby run and whatever. But Mach oh, is just... Old yeah. <laughs> yeah. Old uh, Real quick, let me just ask you, how do you feel about Black Machismo, Jay Lethal? Love him. Love I him. was hoping we were going to get an ooh yeah when he was at on, on AW. Well, they got they got pomp and circumstance to start his, music, his entrance music, but then it kind of kicks into whatever else. When he was doing Black Machismo... On TNA, amazing. Or him and Nate with the woo off. I mean, that was yeah. Him and H doing the woo off. Yeah, I think that was a phenomenal. I mean, he's there, right? He's like signed. He's there. Um, I thought it was a one off. Oh, was it a one off? I'm not sure. Okay, if it was, great. usually they're not signed signed until they post that picture on there. Yeah, that says That's, Jay all, Lethal is no, all elite. I think they did. They did, did post they? the Jay Lethal is all elite. I've Maybe he is signed. He is signed. The, TK kind of does the deal where he signs everybody to a five appearance contract, and then we go from there. 
most of the time. So we'll see. My number two, AJ Styles, the phenomenal one. The guy outside of WWE for me for that like 05 to 2010 run. I mean, until what? when did he come over? Like 2015, 24? Royal Rumble. Well, we went to Royal Rumble 2015 and he didn't show up that year. So he showed up the next 16? year, 2016. Yeah. He's been there five years now. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about a guy. That, he needed that run. He needed a WWE run. I feel he did because there was nowhere else to work. If he AEW needed, was he around, needed he worldwide need notoriety. If AEW was around five years ago, he yeah, would have but never they're not. They weren't. Yeah. Well, it, do you think he winds up there in AEW? No, I don't think he does because I think he's. I think he's happy. I think. I think he's, I think he's think really he's happy. genuinely happy. Yeah. Because yeah. he's the guy. I mean, he's the guy. Over he's there. also like, hasn't like he what, also wrestled a lot of the guys from AEW already, or hasn't he already had that run? Well, yeah, a lot of them are in Japan together. Not not. Obviously not uh, MJF. He hasn't wrestled, right? Right. And uh, I mean, there's enough. Sammy and and uh, there's uh, enough yeah, guys for him to take Darby Allen. There's enough. There's enough of a lineage there where they could bring him in and like because he has a relationship with the Bucks. Yeah, and with the I, I, he was a Bullet Club leader at yeah. one point. I would avoid it honestly so, for both parties. Well, he took over for Balor, right? Balor was like the original leader, and then he took over for like, Balor. Balor was not the original leader. Balor was the second leader, oh. and. Uh, Styles was the third leader. Yeah, but he took over. Yeah, he took over from Balor. From, Balor yeah. wasn't the original leader, okay. though. I forget. It was a, one of the guys uh, who, like o Okada, or one of those. Yeah, guys. one of them. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not real familiar. I'm not with real Japan. up to my, on my New Japan either. But yeah, I mean, Styles wrestle any kind of match. Not great on the stick, but he's gotten better as time has gone on. He had a flub in that him and Taker's feud when he's like, "I'm gonna kill you, Undertaker," and then he like stopped and he was like not kill you but i'm gonna i'm gonna bury you good or what i mean like you, he still does that a little bit which is like that's the only thing that prevents him from being like a five mm -hmm. well, he's never had anyone hand him a script his entire career and now you got vince telling him right. we'll say this now we're not saying that anymore now you gotta say that right it's right. gonna be good shit it's yeah. gonna be good yeah. Shit. Yeah. so yeah ages thousands my number, number two. two mine is chris jericho and now i know we were in it before and you asked the question if he didn't have an AEW run, would he be on your list? And he would not be on the list. He wouldn't be in my top five. But because he's been able to reinvent himself in now multiple companies, and it's not just AEW, I know, uh, multiple companies, multiple personalities, multiple movesets, makes inanimate objects, fucking characters. I mean, he's as good as – he really is as good as it gets. And the number one guy on my list, will, I guess we'll get there, but – they were around the same time. They were doing the same things. They were kind of carrying the the product then, right? And the number one guy on my list left, and he never did. He always – I know he left to do the Fozzie thing here and there, but he's every, always – Every summer. Yeah, but he's always been like that mainstay for that what, 30 years now, right? Can we say 30? 30 years in the ring. I, I mean, when did he start? WCW was probably 95, 90, late 96. 97. He yeah. started in ninety one though, so he's he, he came years. out as like like the the Lionheart. He was like the yeah baby, you know, mm -hmm. like this like baby face. And then he was like, what am I doing? And then he became the ultimate heel. And he had a program with Goldberg where they didn't wrestle a match. That one of the best programs in the history of WCW. And they didn't wrestle. And they didn't wrestle because Bischoff didn't think he was good enough to get in the ring with Goldberg. <laughs> and I remember like uh, the entrance for the the uh, the Y two uh, the Y two J. Yeah. With the with the rock in the ring and then and the, the yeah and the um the vest with the glow up the, when, oh the no jacket. no when he no when he debuted when oh, they yeah. did the 
the shiny vest that he wore, the, the Y2J when he showed up, they did the original yes. countdown and he shows up. It's not the glow up vest. It's just the it's shiny the, vest yes. that he had on. Yeah. Like that silver jam that he had. Yeah. 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 So that's why he's number two on my list. But like I said, if, that's he, didn't a great to, if he didn't go to AW and he didn't do the the Tokyo uh, Dome, right? Yeah. Yeah, Tokyo Dome. If he didn't do it, uh, if he didn't do that, I don't think he'd be there. Number two. Fair deal. Uh my number two is Andre. Andre the Giant. It's a weird number two. So I know who number one is now yeah. for you. Well, come on. <laughs> uh but Andre, the reason he's one of my favorites, uh there was you know, he's in The Princess Bride when I was a kid. There was a movie that like my family used to watch. So obviously I just gravitated towards him. But for me, he was like the ultimate heel to Hogan. So Hogan was the baby face and Andre was like the ultimate heel. And that's, you know, they, I didn't see it in person, but watch it on videotape. That whole run they had from like 87 to 89 was just, you know, here's Hogan, the ultimate good guy. Here's Andre, the ultimate bad guy. So that's why they're, you know. Synonymous. Yeah. I get it. Andre did a lot for the sport and never, I mean, he never had the title, right? He never had the title. Never. Well, Technically, he had it for 30 se- What happened was they had the uh, the famous angle on Saturday night's main event, Hogan-Andre 2, the rematch from WrestleMania. Excuse me. And at the time, uh, the Million Dollar Man paid him to be part of his the Million Dollar Man stable. Andre Hogan had the match. They do like the Earl Hebner and, and I forget what his brother, Earl's brother. What's Earl's brother's name? I can't remember. Earl and Dave. Dave Hebner was the brother. So they're twin brothers. So Dave gets in the ring, count, you know, Rolls out of the ring, then Earl rolls in the ring, counts Hogan out, even though he had a shoulder up. Andre wins the title, hands it over to DiBiase. They vacate the title and go into the tournament at WrestleMania Four. But it's like the one of the most famous angles in the history wow. of because the Million Dollar Man paid Andre to beat Hogan, paid the ref to the ref cheap to get to beat Hogan because they. I have to look that up. I'm gonna have to look that up. Saturday, one of the one of the Hedman brothers actually stole T-shirts and shit, right? Isn't that why he got fired? Well, they were they were. They were selling like they were they were paying the guys to sell the t-shirts in the parking lot. And supposedly now the story is, is that they sold merchandise that was only given to WWE staff. They sold that merchandise. Yeah. Hmm. So it wasn't that they were they the, the rumor was that they were bootlegging shirts and selling them in the parking lots at the events, but the then they were bootlegging the shirt that they got from like it was only given to WWE. Only employees. given to staff. Right. Yeah. So, they, so they knew. But supposedly now the story has changed over the years and now it's that they were selling them on eBay. Whatever. It's still dirty. Number two. No, it's my number one. Number, number one. one. I mean, I drum think roll. We don't really need much of one. I think everybody in the room knows by now. He was on the, the match list three times. Uh, it's the charismatic enigma, Jeffrey Nero Hardy, for more than just his run in WWE. Uh, I was a big fan of the See You in the Future shit he was doing in TNA. Another guy who probably did mo- much of his best singles work outside of WWE. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, Impact is really where, like, or the Impact Zone or whatever you want to call it, that's really where he did. Soundstage 21 yeah. at, at <laughs> Universal, Universal Studio. Yeah. Dude, I looked it up the other day because I was watching one of the 2005 pay-per-views. I'm like, what do you think, like, the, the total capacity of the Impact Zone was? Like, seating. How less, many seats? Less than 2,000. Yes. Less than 2,000. Like 1,400. 1,500. Yeah. <laughs> 1,400 people. I was going to say 1,500. Because I'm like, Jeff literally just came from doing 14,000 person arenas, and now he's in the impact zone with right. like a sold out crowd of 1,335. Right, right. But yeah, I mean, it just goes back to, you know, the Hardy Boys from, from day one. The man forged his fucking birth certificate and started at the WWF at 16 years 16, old. Yep. He was 16. Matt was 18. Doing jobs. 
doing jobs and they came out looking like members of the Bee Gees. You yeah. remember that? Yeah. Like with the straight up headbands and stuff. A lot like what the Bucks kind of look like. I was just going like. to say they looked like yeah. the Bucks, yeah. Like that neon, that neon green outfit that they would wear. Yeah. And I mean, like this, all the things we said about punk, I mean, there's no box without the Hardys. There's no a lot of tag teams without, without the Hardys. Hardys. There's I a agree. whole generation of wrestlers that came from what Matt and Jeff did sure. in WWE. He frustrates all me, over Jeff. the place. He does. Jeff frustrates me too, dude. It's just like, it's the com- it's the emotional tie. Like he was everyone's guy. And this is before the face paint. I mean, he did a little bit of the glow in the dark shit at WWE. It wasn't until TNA where he really started fucking around with the paint all the time. The thing about Jeff that's interesting is that he didn't want it the way Matt wanted it. Matt always wanted it more, like to be the wrestler, to be the guy, where Jeff never really wanted to be the wrestler or be the I mean, he wanted to be a wrestler, but not like Matt wanted it. And Jeff was the star of the two of them, was the bigger star of the two of them. Uh, yeah, well, because yeah. Jeff was willing to do more. Like Jeff did the Swanton and Matt did leg drops. Jeff and- was always cooler. Jeff, and Matt went, was like- Jeff went off the twenty four foot ladder and mm-hmm. Matt took the bump off the top of the third rope. Like and that's the reason we love Jeff too is, you know, the high-flying nonsense, the stuff you don't see. <sighs> he said he was different than everyone else on the card probably 90% of the time. Yeah. You would notice Jeff Hardy more than anybody else on a regular Monday Night Raw that they were on. I just look back on it and I can't – like I honorable mention Jeff Hardy. Yeah. I mean for a long time he was my favorite. But like I just – the what if for the whole WWE thing. And even then you see the thing with Sting. Like when Sting had to like – Force the cover on him because he was because yeah, he was inebriated at Victory Road. Yep. Yeah, Scorpion Death dropped him and then covered him up. I so, don't even think he was supposed to do the job that night. If we're being honest, I think he was. No, supposed I think he was supposed to go over. He was supposed to I go think he was supposed to go over too. Yeah. yeah. But but so like that alone, it's yeah, like then you, what if man? That was Victory Road, I believe, 2010, and then Victory or 2009. The following year, him and Angle put on a fucking main event match. No, I get it. I so get it. It's frustrating. He's the most. Him and Big Show are the most frustrating people in the history, in not the history, but in my history of watching professional wrestling, the 28 years that I've been around the game. Big Show, because of the no one's been booked fucking more flip floppy. <laughs> you know, Big Show wasn't his fault. No, Hardy, it's not Hardy his fault it was his fault yeah. in a way because it was the drugs and the other things. And Big Show's a sad story because big, they, they ruined, you know, Vince ruined him. Just oh, ruined, yeah. ruined him. His booking was weak and. Uh, WCW, terrible. They, they did. They, for the first four years, three years of there, he was there. Awesome booking. You know, he was like this unbeatable monster. The only reason the way he got beat was when the NWO cheated to beat him. You know, and then he joined the NWO because, like, what are you going to do? You cannot, you can't have this monster lurking around there, so you can't beat him. Might as well join him. You know? Right. And just handled properly, you know. Yeah. I, I mean, do like I like the big that's show, That's the story with 99% of the guys who make it to the show who don't have – who aren't a second or a third generational guy. All these guys have it. It's just a matter of how you handle them and how – it's you – like I don't think Vince – now this is just me kind of talking out of my ass a little bit. I don't think Vince um, feels like a responsibility to get guys over. No. And neither does Cena. Well, he thinks it's your responsibility to get guys over? He thinks it's – yeah, like it's you either have it or you don't. Like Cena's the same way. You either know how to do this shit or you don't. There's no coaching. There's no teaching. There's no putting in better – which is weird because you just told the whole deal with Cena almost on his way out before he started – uh, Before Stephanie basically kept him around by Vin, Vin, having him do the dog yeah dogs. the uh, Halloween the Halloween Raw the they one were all right, dressed right. up yeah. that's where that was his first night there like his one of his first nights rapping where he was like hey here we go right like well Vince's whole thing is we're not we're giving you opportunity we're not giving you guarantees and like that's always been the way he, his business model you know 
we're going to give you this opportunity to get this character or get yourself, you know, get yourself over. Like, for instance, Terry Taylor. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Terry Taylor. He was a Southern wrestler. Vince hired him. And Heyman, Mr. Perfect, got hired at the same time. And they have like what they call the box of gimmicks, which was like in the 80s, they would have, you know, you're the chef and you're the, the construction worker and you're the... You're the dentist. Exactly. Gwen Jacobs. Right, mm-hmm. exactly. Um, so they had these two characters. They had Mr. Perfect who, you know, Kurt Henning took Mr. Perfect and turned it into what it was, like this guy who was just perfect at everything. And then they had the Red Rooster who was supposed to be like, he's the cock of the walk. He's like this... You know, because like when you're the the main rooster in a, in a in a chicken coop or whatever a hen coop, whatever, you're like the leader and like the the best, and you're gonna walk around and strut your stuff. And he took that as you know Terry Taylor took that gimmick as well. I'm a rooster, so he gave himself a red mohawk and he was doing this shit. And <laughs> so again, it's like Vince said, here's your opportunities. Look what Kurt Henning is considered widely considered as one of the greatest wrestlers of all like, time. Look at all the stupid shit Cody did with the right. mask and the monster. But he, he did killed, every, he he did killed a, it. He did every dumb thing they wanted him to do. And he did a wrestling. good job. Right. The last thing I want to say about Jeff Hardy, and then we can move on to you, is the Willow thing. Good character. I like the idea. I like the execution. My problem with the Willow character, you cannot say that you're no longer Jeff Hardy and that you're now Willow. Even if, obviously, we know it's Jeff Hardy being consumed by this. You can't do a twist of fate. You can't do the whisper in the wind. You can't do the swan. Th- it's the, it's Jeff Hardy in a fucking black mask, dude. Right. You can't do it. It takes me out of it right away. Well, that's, again. The right away, it takes me out of the character change when your entire moveset is the same. That's like back to Cody as Stardust. Look what Co- Cody did different. You know, he yeah, he did the crossroads with his finisher. He changed a Everything lot of else the was different. Everything else was different. You know what I mean? So. And people don't, probably don't give him enough credit. A lot of people probably Stardust was another stupid fucking thing that he did and and did to the best of his ability. Right. My number one, The Rock. All right. Yeah, well, (laughs) it's going to be the same thing that he... It's the same reasons and the same, you know... And even for you, it's who you grew up watching. So I don't have Stone Cold on there, and I don't have The Rock on there. I was always a Stone Cold guy over The Rock. I was always a Rock guy. The reason Stone Cold doesn't make this list for me... Uh, he's really a top guy for five years, and those five years are like three of those five are like my first three years, kind of loosely watching wrestling. So as okay, great as fine. he was, as awesome as it was, wasn't that. I don't impactful. think there's. I don't think there's a Raw or SmackDown or whatever. I mean, you can make the case that The Rock really invented Smack. Like really, yeah. The reason why SmackDown exists, right? He well, not not the reason that SmackDown exists, but the reason it's called SmackDown. Okay. All right. Because, so, because like they were getting that TV time to get in that show, regardless, regardless of what they were of, gonna yeah. call it. You know so, I just feel like every time The Rock's music hit, when he was on that, let's just call it, let's just say it's the five, the same five year run that you're you're speaking about um, Stone Cold on ninety six to like right. One. I don't think there's a single episode where I was like, I I, I, I don't want to be that guy. Like every single time he came out and every single pop he got and everything he did, and even when he came back as uh, Hollywood. I thought that was the best of the rock. Rock, again, reinventing himself, doing something different, doing singing the songs. Yeah, I, that's my favorite rock, the Hollywood rock. Elite character, right? I mean, the he guy can control a crowd, control a crowd like you get, like by his fingertips. Even now, he comes back. He's got him right here. Yeah, he comes back I'm right in the palm. Well, of his he's head. he's the ultimate five tool player. A hundred percent. He's got the best look. He can talk like nobody else. He's got. You know the move he can wrestle his ass off. I mean, what 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 the, what can't the Rock do? That's what I'm saying. So for me, it was just like you know I look at this guy and I'm like, wow, I, I want to be just like this guy. And the only thing that stopped me from saying I, I want to be just like Jeff Hardy was 
all these issues that he had and all these problems that you like look and you later of course you found out later you don't really know at a young age right most of the time that what's going on I mean on. we knew he was on drugs you at knew the time. but you don't really know no you know what I mean and then you look back on it like when I was when I got older I look back on Jeff's problems and then I look back on Matt's issues with Edge and Lita and all that whole thing that happened like that real life thing that happened and I'm like wow they really could have been so much better but there was just so much that got in the way and for The Rock I feel like you want to talk about like the exact opposite of Jeff Hardy where he took uh, – let me put it this way. Is there a better – was there a better case scenario life for The Rock? No. Like, you you take a situation and you make the absolute 100% best out of it and that's what he did. So that's why he's number no, one I mean, for me. Fucking playing on the same team as college football team as Warren Sapp is probably the best thing that ever happened to him. Because well, he said the day that he played with Warren Sapp, he knew he was never making it in the league. Well, didn't Warren Sapp replace him? Warren Sapp also yeah. is a Hall of Famer, a bona fide Hall of Famer, almost one of the yeah, best but, ever. But not when he was in college. And in, in college, if you play against, you think that you're, you're league material, and then you play against a true freshman or a retro freshman, Warren Sapp, and he just pick, picks you up and moves you, and you have no, that's when you understand, oh, I'm not, like, I'm good, but I'm not league good. You know, no, you have you have moments when you play sports that you realize like you this is where it good, goes. But yeah. it's like like I was I was the kid that scored every point on my basketball team for like four years, and then <laughs> got to junior high school and was like, oh, I'm I'm not like West best. Hampton youth basketball still has the Christopher <laughs> Johansson rule. There's a rule in there for me. When I was in uh, really quick when I was in college and uh, playing baseball, I was pitching, and one of the first um, practices we did freshman versus upperclassmen, and uh, I struck out the the three hitter on the team and with a curveball nasty, right? Got him looking. And I was like, wow, like maybe I'm better than I, than I think I am. Like, Oh shit. Like, you know, so he gets back up in the simulation, in a, you know, simulated play and they had the bases loaded, like, and he gets up and I get him. Oh, two, I throw him the same curveball I struck him out on. And he put the ball. It might still be gone. Ten from t- it, it, was, it was it was nine years ago. It might still be gone. It, it definitely went 360, 370 over the fence, and then I lost it after that. Yep. And then I realized, wow, I'm not I'm not that good. And you're able to just quickly pick up on it, throw it once. All right, you got me. Throw it again, and I never ever would ever be able to. You never get me that. with that curveball again, again, dude. Exactly. It just shows you, you know. Always bigger fish in the in the sea. You know what I mean. Let's let's hear it. We we, we both know. I mean, go ahead. Know, there's, no, knows. there's no mystery. Bum, 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 exactly. Bum, so bum, bum, bum. came up came up through it. You know, in the the height of Hulkamania, that was that was where I was. Uh, the reason he maintained to be the best was because he went from being the absolute number one babyface in the business to being the absolute number one heel in the business. Which isn't that amazing? You, it's hard to pick somebody else out who did that. You know, and still maintain that level of like box office draw and maintain that level of like selling merchandise and just, you know, cause the NWO, when the NWO came out, it was so cool. Like it was like, these guys are, they're terrible. Like they're doing all this shit and you were supposed to hate them, but you couldn't hate them cause they were, they were just so cool. That's like the shield. Modern day shield, modern day D well, was DX, was DX a heel? Yes. Yeah. They started as heels. They started yeah. as heels, but like they got over because they were doing all this. They stuff were so people, cool. But and they but, were fucking with Vince I left and right. Right. Stand. And then, uh, the, the the NWO was like, you know, because you had the two, the, our, besides Sean and Brett, you had the two top guys from the WWF coming over who were cool. Like Razor and Diesel were like, as characters were cool. And as their real life personas, they were cooler. So again, like when Hogan turned, it made all the sense in the world because now you have the guy to hate. You were going to hate Hogan and you were going to still, you could still like Paul and Nash, 
But Hogan was like that dastardly dirty heel. He's going to spray paint your back with the spray can. Mm-hmm. Do anything like crotch shot you, cheek to win, hit you with like a brass knuckles, you know, do all that stuff. Just the, the heel. Because, I mean, the thing about Hogan is he always worked the heel style. He didn't work the baby face style. He would rake your back. He would rake your eyes. He would, you know, kick you down low. He didn't care. He would do anything he needed to do to win. You know, you know, and obviously he's getting on TV going, you know, take your, take your vitamins and say your <laughs> prayers and train. And that's what's going to make you, you know, do yeah. all that stuff. And but, do testosterone replacement therapy. Whoa, 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 whoa. But, but listen, regardless, you know, to this day. the, the I'm not singling anybody out. It was the whole the whole, the whole yeah. industry had a problem with it right. in the 80s. And, and, and well, 90s. look at just. Look I mean, at, look at we lost Warriors heart pull up. We lost Eddie's heart pull up. I mean, Macho Man. Macho I mean, Man's heart pull up. It's, the list is on, goes on for. I mean, it's amazing that Hogan is Chris still alive. Candido, I'm pretty sure, got pneumonia that was from yeah. uh, steroid. Sorry, too much steroids. Yeah. The thing about Hogan, though, was that the reason Hogan's still alive is because in 93, when they had the steroid trial, he was the face of wrestling. You know, all these other guys were big stars, but they weren't the face. Like, you, you, you know, like like I was I was saying, you know, WWF is like the name brand. Hogan, you know, I'm going to watch Hulk Hogan. Like, they had, he had a cartoon on on Saturday mornings. I mean, he, right. he was the face on the lunchbox, the face on the t-shirt, the number one action figure. I mean, he was, he was it. You know what I mean? And. It was hard not to get swallowed up in that. I mean, for those younger people who may be listening, like it's everything Cena was for from two thousand six to two thousand. But bigger than but, that. But yeah, but that's what bigger, like, bigger. like way bigger, you, tenfold. You, you watched any WWE event that you watched. You watched it to see what Hogan was gonna do. It didn't matter, you know. It didn't matter, right. you know, if you were gonna have like this five star Bret Hart Shawn Michaels match on the undercard. You wanted to get to Hogan. You know what I mean? No matter what you like, even. Savage and Steamboat was the match at WrestleMania, but you still like you were still there for Hulk and Andre. You know what I mean? Right. 100%. right. So that's why it's, you know, got to be the number one. Story. No, I get it. I still pop for it. I mean, Hogan comes on TV now. I still pop. For it. <laughs> you know, as a, as a almost 40 year old man. Like it's. I mean, they when we were at when we were at Dynamite, Emily's friend was like they were the two, the three of them were like in tears laughing during Judas when Adam Cole came out. Because the reactions, like all three, they said it was like one brain. Yep. Watching the three of us was like watching one brain operate our body. Yep. When Cole came out, and uh, yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, dude, insane. But like, those are the the moments that you live for, right? At a pro wrestling, right? Show. Yeah, of course. I mean, we're we're running, pr- we're almost at two and a half hours, so we should probably get to wrapping, and then let's wrap it. We can move on for uh, right now. We're looking to do this every month when we get the new computer, we can move on to weekly Okay. at that point because as long as we're ready to go. Sure. Because mm-hmm. once I have the computer down here, I can edit all this shit at my own speed and, you know, we're not infringing on uh, other projects we got going on at Tiger Pack. Well, do you want to talk about any current stuff or you want to just leave I it? just want to cut it now because we're, like, dude, at this, like, we're losing people after two hours anyway. Sure. It's fine. Um, cut it. Yeah. 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 So we will... Work on formats for regular shows. This was our first show. Mm-hmm. To get everybody to you know know where we're at in our uh, wrestling fandom. We're gonna m- cover a lot of WWE. We're gonna cover a lot of AEW. A little bit of New Japan, Ring of Honor. We'll see what happens with them. And then you know I think we'll do a little bit touching on the smaller promotions too. But you don't have a Meltzer account, do you? Do you, to, you guys have to a WON? No. Oh, or like a Torch account or anything? No. Nope. Make sure look into that. One of us should probably get that just to. You know, just to have some sort of a basis to, yeah. I mean, I listen to, I listen to a million of the podcasts. I mean, I listen to all Conrad Thompson. I mean, most of the Conrad Thompson ones I listen to. Uh, I've been listening to Flair's new podcast. And you listen to Cornette too, right? I listen to Cornette, you know, and they all cover current stuff. I list the only one I listen to is Jericho. Okay. And Jericho's not always wrestling. 
Yeah, Jericho. Jericho's a great interview. Yeah. yeah, Jericho's all over, though, yeah. I mean, Cornette is good for, but I mean, you get Cornette's perspective, which is like he shits on everything that's current, you know? Yeah, well, anything that he didn't have a hand in. Right. That's why I don't I mean, really he likes, fuck with Cornette. No, he likes, he likes Brian. He likes Punk. He likes, you know, there's like. He, he likes anything that Vince probably hates. Yes. <laughs> well, He's he like likes, a contrarian, dude. He likes wrestling. You know, he likes pure. He wants it to be freaking Carl Gotch and, and Dick the Bruiser in a, in a you know, five-star they're going to put each Masters other. Masters of the Mat match. Yeah, they're going to put each other in a headlock for 25 minutes. Yeah. You know. We want to see a lot of uh, inside cradle win. That's no, but he, he also, like, he was very high on, because I listened to, like, a lot of his AEW reviews, you know, because he shits on the Bucks. Like, I mean, of course sh- he does. Their psychology is terrible. Sh- Any purist should shit he on the Bucks. Him, he calls them the Hardly Boys. <laughs> I mean, for, for entertainment purposes, his podcast is one of the funniest out there because, like, I, I honestly believe 90% of it is him being a character, not him being. Real, real, yeah. I think that's who he is. It's just he's a heel, you know. He, I think he's he's just accentuating who he really right. is. But he like like you know he'll talk about CM, he'll wax poetic about anything CM Punk does. Like oh this guy's the best, his promos and his in ring work and blah blah blah, you know. So for his his perspective is interesting, and the guy that he does it with fucking uh, uh I can't remember last brian last he's a fucking piece of shit (laughs) (laughs) fucking putting people on blast episode one all right uh anthony you got anything else to say on the way out no we're gonna do uh well i was thinking we could do some current stuff uh a couple what about a couple what if stuff what if i think that would be interesting with doing some what if the shield never broke just because it's fresh we should just quick bring up that punk in mjf yeah we'll do that quick right now and then we'll get out of here all right let's do it Go ahead, start us off. I've been watching wrestling forever, like we discussed, and that Punk MJF promo, I, 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 it was funny. I sat down with my wife. I said, "I'm gonna put wrestling on for ten minutes. Just, I just want to see what's the opening segment." Punk comes out. I'm thinking, "Ah, oh, he's gonna wrestle. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Fucking Garcia? No, 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 no. Uh, One of the, the two trainer. The best. trainer. What's his name? Um, God, Cutler? No. Uh, you know, Cody's buddy. What's his name? Oh, QT. QT, Marshall. Mm-hmm. QT, Marshall. QT, Marshall. So he comes out, Punk comes out, and then MJF's music hit. And I immediately was like amped because I'm like, here comes the guy in the ring is was the best promo of his day. And here comes the best promo of today. And just they, like I said to you in our text message, I said, you know, I said, wait for a text message. Mm-hmm. I said, listen, I don't think anybody lost that promo. Usually you come out of promo, oh, you know, Cena was a little bit better than The Miz or The Miz was a little bit better than Ziggler. This was like, it went back and forth, and it got done, and I was like, there wasn't a clear winner here because they both had zingers. They both told a story, you know, the punk story of how, you know, I didn't mention you because I, it was on purpose. It was by design, blah, blah, blah. And then MJF was like, just like, you know, punk said, oh, you, you're picking every piece of low-hanging fruit, which which MJF did. But as a heel, that's what you want. You want him to pick every piece of low, low-bearing fruit because obviously punk is the face and MJF is the heel. In this it was a very old school face versus heel promo, like Mike Battle, yeah. too. Like very old school tactics for the oh, 100%, heel and yeah. MJF. Would, I was cracking up and they shut the fuck up. And he just goes, no. <laughs> no, yeah. He, no. <laughs> just want, little shit like that makes it great for me. You want to talk about somebody having the, the, the crowd in the palm of his hand? That's MJF. Heat seeker. Yes. I know it's his finishing move. I didn't do that on purpose. No. He's a fucking heat seeking missile. He's a heat dude. magnet. He knows how to get heat better than anybody maybe in the last 25 and years. The Bucks yeah. are heat seekers too. So not like him. Not Bucks, like him. The Bucks but... heat is different. That's cheap heat where MJF is like legitimate, you know. Like if he could be what the Dudleys were on ECW, I don't know if you guys have ever seen any of the Dudleys ECW promos. Yeah. You know, 
your mother's a fucking whore and stuff like that. But they used to say, you know, look at this fat piece of shit in the front row. Like MJF has that type of heat. Like heat to well, where he said something to someone in the crowd, didn't yeah. he? Oh yeah. He con- I mean, constantly does. You know, yeah. Shut up, fatty. I'm talking yeah, now. He's quick. You know, he's very quick and he's, you know, so young. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see how they build this feud going forward. I mean, are they going to just do it on like a dynamite or are they going to save it for a pay-per-view? And- they should save it for a pay-per-view and they well, should slow build it. They should. They should. They should be his it. first big feud. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, he's had, I mean, you have Jericho, the Jericho feud was huge with MJF. I no, mean, no, no, no. I'm sorry. He's talking about Punk's, Punk's, Punk's first yes. big feud. Yes. Yeah. 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 They should build it. I mean, when's the next show? Is it? Well, it was last night, but I mean, obviously they. No, did. I mean the next pay-per-view. Well, they just did full gear. The next pay-per-view is going to be that battle of the belts is probably like their that's next... not really a pay-per-view though. No, I know, it's... but that's like their next. And they got that winner is coming, but winner is coming. Is that going to be? Is the next pay-per-view double or nothing? Yeah, it's not for a while. I think they usually do it around February, so they got a couple months to to, to really build it, that's build this up, make this the thing, and uh, double or nothing's Memorial Day weekend. I would put I would put MJF all, over all out then or. All Out's the one at the end of August. Okay. So what's what's the one? Fighter Fest, I thought, was oh, the Fighter fourth Fest. pay-per-view. Okay. The way I see it is I'd put MJF over now. Like, Got to Punk, because Punk needs to go do a job. He hasn't done a job yep. yet. He mm-hmm. can't beat everybody. He can go. He doesn't have to go over clean, though. He can, you know, let me see a little uh, the Dynamite Diamond. Yeah, thing. I love the Dynamite Diamond. Or like, you know. I would, I'd put him over, and then I'd have Punk say, all right, I came here for, uh, you know, I... Uh, Magical mystery tour, and I'm done. I'm tired of the bullshit. I'm not gonna be everyone's friend anymore. You know, I realized that the competition here is legit, and now I'm here to claim the number one spot again. And then turn heel, get out of the MJF feud. That's what I would do. And then that'll catapult MJF. I'd like to see them have a feud for a year, like a year long, like wrestle at full gear. But let me ask you, how much time is like? Do you feel like CM Punk has that time to give a a year to this feud, and then you do? Yeah. I don't think he has like. I think uh, Punk, Punk has his choice to pick whoever he wants and can do whatever he wants. And if he was smart, he would because he needs a run. Like he can't just be doing the Terry Funk. Like I'm going to come in, put this guy, put that guy, put this guy over. He needs to come in, have a program, and MJF is the guy to do it with. And you can culminate it in any kind of a special, you know, uh, a old school cage match or like a, you know, you need like I quit. Yeah, something MJF twenty four. 24 years old. Yeah. And he's probably going to And he's one of the best him, guys in the business today. And he's going to find himself in one of the, well, arguably his biggest suit of his career, right? Yes. I mean, we could say Jericho. They had a good one, but. I mean, MJF's the only guy that I could remember, like, pretty much ever, like, going. He does meet and greets any motherfuckers, little kids. He, yeah. He's, at the, he's doing a spot at Barstool Sports well, Radio, and he got into a fight with one of the interns there. Like he, he just yeah, cut, he yeah. cuts promos and but he he's wouldn't just be a doing that to everybody. But he wouldn't be doing that with WWE. Like no, his character no, no, no. only be, works at AEW. He can't. Yeah. He can't do it. Anymore. Yeah, right. It doesn't. It doesn't. It's not passable because they'd want to write for him. You know what I mean? Right. So, just one more thing. Currently, uh, I know the weak point of AEW was the women's division, which I think has now become one of the strong points of that of that of AEW. Yeah, a good good mix of of bringing in some more talent and building the guys they have. They have like six or eight uh, girls that are as good. Jade as... still needs seasoning. She's got to win that tournament, though. She needs seasoning. I get the giving her smart Mark Sterling. She's got to win that tournament. She's got to. Uh, she probably does, but like, I mean, she's a little stiff. She's she's green as hell, dude. She's crazy physique. She, but she's so she can't impressive. talk. She's she is impressive, impressive, you know. But she's not ready yet. Like this is the kind of character and athlete. That Vince would push too fast, too soon, too early, 
and they'd three years from now we'd where's Jade Cargill? Yeah, but I don't, they'd be fucking on main event. I don't think like, the secondary title is a bad spot for her. You don't think it's too soon? No. No, she's too impressive. She's too big. She's too impressive. You know, I can understand if you were going to have her go against like Nyla and Nyla was going to beat her or like, you know, Thunder Rosa or like, you know, one of those top echelon. Because like who, 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 like you got Britt Baker's at the top of the food chain, but then you got, you know, uh, Thunder Ty Ro- Conti, Thunder Rosa. Those are under Ty Conti and Ruby Soho is very good in the ring. Yes. I love Chris. Yeah. Statlander. Ruby Soho is a, a while away though from getting that title. Well, who are they going to put over uh, Statlander or, or Ruby? And then who are they putting over Thunder Rosa or Jade? You know what I mean? I would bet you that still, I bet you Thunder Rosa will go over and there'll be some sort of fuckery involved to keep Jade looking strong. That would be my, if I was, if I was booking it, because Thunder Rose is hot, like, and you want to catch that, you want to catch that fire like when quick, you can, like a quick roll up or something like that. Yeah, like a quick roll up, or like somebody else, Brit comes out, or you know, somebody comes out. Yeah, and well, Brit has no business being. In that's why it wouldn't be Brit, but somebody like maybe Mark Sterling gets involved with something, like he's yelling at her, and then it's a quick roll up, and we grab the tights, whatever it is. But like, Thunder Rose is so over right now. Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, she gets huge pops when she comes mm-hmm. out. You know what I mean? She lit up the fuck. She did the first match at dark when we were there oh, so and loud. lit up the fucking crowd. Yeah, I mean, I think Ty's over too. I just, you know, Ty's over. She's just not really much of a talker right now. No, no. And uh, like, I think, uh, I think what's her name? Ty's friend, uh, uh, Dark Order, uh, Anna J. I think she needs a lot of seasoning also. Yeah, but she's in a good spot where she's. They there. have a ton of women. They have like. They probably have a bigger. Well, how about Serena Deeb? Serena, we didn't even talk about Serena. Serena Deeb, Deeb is great. Yeah. What about um the um really athletic, really jacked up black girl, like Big Swole? Yeah, where's, where's she, she been, been yeah. dude? Is she even doing dark matches? I don't or? know, but she's super great in the ring, and she can talk. She's a character you can get behind. I like Big Swole a lot. There's a lot of that like original. AEW talent that's kind of got pushed to the side now with all that. Well, influence. a lot of people had to couldn't really make it during COVID. Like a lot yeah. of the people that well, like Rio has had her travel well, issues. Like the New Yorkers, like Statlander, she tore her ACL, but yeah. even after her, she came back from surgery. Like I'm, the New Yorkers and the people from California weren't there a lot during COVID because right. of the New York deal. Just the bucks, really, right? There were a lot of people who um, just kind of came down and stayed in like the Florida, Georgia area and right. were just worked. So like there were MVPs for them. Like Darby Allen was an yeah. MVP of the COVID era for them. Now who, obviously MJF is like the choice of all of us, but who is that next of the next four? Say Brit, we'll put Brit, Darby, Jungle Boy. Sammy Guevara. Sam, you think Sammy's the next? Sammy Guevara is a rock star, dude. You think he's going to stay healthy? Yes. If Seth Rollins could have stayed major, like pretty much healthy for the last ten years, Sammy can stay healthy. Well, Sammy's Sammy's not as dangerous as Seth is. Mm, yes, or as not. Seth was. Yeah. I can't really speak too much of Seth's current well, work. Seth but. shouldn't be picking up Kane and trying to do buckle bombs. I mean, that was. I like, mean, yeah, that's, that was, that's the issue. That was your first mistake right there. Yeah, but Seth is stronger than Sammy Guevara. Yeah, but Sammy's in, only Sammy's only twenty six. I'm just saying he's in better shape. He's yeah. like that. I know CrossFit, but he's in. He's in. He's in. Yeah, but he you needs. Know, he he can throw. He in, could throw. Kane in if order he to, to in order to stay in Vince McMahon's main event picture, you need to be big. So he right. needed to get as big as he could have for his frame. Right. Sammy doesn't need to get big. Sammy is crazy athletic. I mean, he can talk. I mean, he can, he's he can talk. He's crazy athletic. He can wrestle though too. Like yeah. take the 
the whatever it is, the 540 or whatever he does, the 720 mm-hmm. Centon, and this Tobe Suicidas and all that shit out of the, He's a good storyteller, good worker, good wrestler. Because And putting him in the inner circle and having Jericho carry him along, I think, was poetic in a way. Because yeah. he reminds you a lot like a young Jericho. I mean, we said it's styles. Sure. But, you know, young Jericho, young Sean, that kind of a deal. I think, I think a lot of the guys need to realize, like Bobby Fish, I was telling you before, Bobby Fish finished off a match on Rampage this week with a, like a avalanche falcon arrow from the top rope. Looked impressive. Back in the day, it would have been a hospital angle. All these guys, like the Bucks, the Lucha Brothers, stop making it a car crash. Use those spots. Like, stop doing that outside the ring apron bump. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, because then it becomes... It can't be like a weekly thing. Yeah, then it becomes, this, oh, I've seen this a million this times. This became a problem when Owens and Sami Zayn had the same match about for the fourth time yeah. in a row on WWE TV. Mm-hmm. They had it twice on NXT. Then they had it once at a WWE pay-per-view, and then they had it again on Raw. Right. And it's almost the same match every time. And six ma- sick match, six spots. But it's like, I don't need to see Kevin Owens powerbomb Sami Zayn onto the ring apron for the fourth time now. No. Well, like, the Bucks, like, they have to do a suicide dive with 16 people outside the ring every single it's time. It's not just the Bucks, though. Right. No, no, no. I mean, I'm just... It's every match at eight. No, it is every match. Like, the Lucha Brothers, you know. Well, the Destroyer. Stop throwing the Destroyer around like it's a fucking hip toss. Petey Williams should be so mad, dude. No, <laughs> That's an impressive move. Yeah, and it's like not like gold dust. Dustin, great that you can do it. Don't do it. You know... The you code know, red, whatever you want to call it. Don't do it, dude. It's not for you. You know who killed it for me? The, the, the Destroyer was Ricky Morton. Who's that? Ricky Morton was uh, is one of the greatest workers of all time, part of the Rock and Roll Express, you know, uh, 80s, you know, mm-hmm. big time 80s guy. When he, at 60 whatever years old, got in the ring, and, and I forget what pay-per-view it was, he did a Canadian Destroyer, and I was just like, what the fuck are they doing? Like, 60-something-year-old dude doing Did he a, do the Canadian Destroyer, or did he do, like, the Sunset Flip? The Sunset Flip. Fucking John Cena version. Not the Canadian Destroyer, but, like, the John Cena version. Yeah. And it's just like... The Code Red, I think they call right. it. Right. It's like, they, they a guy like that should not be doing that. No, 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 no. So, I mean, I don't mean to be dragging on this. No, no, it's all good. It's all good. But no, it's all get, good stuff. It's getting long. Yeah, it's getting long. We're pushing three hours. Um, yeah, so... That's our show. Welcome to our new show. Mm-hmm. I We're going to have fun doing this, and... Hope you guys have fun coming along for the ride. Oh, the blast. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. It's my my pro wrestling guy. Yeah. It's my guy on pro wrestling, man. Like I said, I want to do sports gambling. My guy was Anthony Alessino. Now I want to do pro wrestling. <laughs> and my guy is Chris Johansson, aka Big One. So um we'll come back, we'll do way more current stuff and you know, we'll find we'll figure out some some gimmicks to make the show fun. Uh, probably about a month from now so that's our show peace out Uh, as always brought to you by House of Havoc Tiger Pack Productions Sachi Di Danero and Stay Thirsty Company